my 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 YouTube stream monitor to turn on. For some reason, it is not monitoring my stream. Was it? When these things happen, it's really wonderful. Very strange. Well, <laughs> I'm sure if people cannot, there we go. There it is. Friggin' YouTube once in a while just sucks. Anyway, uh, I, sorry, my overlords, I shouldn't say that about my overlords. Thank you very much for giving me the livelihood that I give. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, it is March 2nd, 2023. Um, lots and lots and lots has happened on my end over the last week. Um, there's a little secret thingamajig that I'm working on that is uh, nearing completion, very close, which is lovely, which will be... Uh, You'll be hearing about uh, in the near future, hopefully within the next month. Obviously, the NHL has completely lost their mind, uh, and we're going to talk about that, I'm assuming. Um, but also for podcast listeners, here's the tradition of reading out every single player I watched this week and got some data on. And uh, it's long. Uh, it was a busy week of watching players play hockey. All right. Um, where is my list? It's not right in front of me, which is right where it should be. That's great. Good start. Uh, okay, so uh, started with Albert Vickman, who I moved to the watch list. But by the end of the week, I moved him back up to the, I think, last slot on my rankings list. Uh, I'll just pull it up here just so you can see it, where it is now. Um, Nate Danielson I did a game of. I moved him down a spot. Riley Height, I moved him down two spots. Uh, Martin Mishak, I moved him up a spot. Uh, William Whitelaw, I moved him up quite a bit. Uh, you want to talk about a kid who's getting better and better as the year goes on? I would put William Whitelaw in that category. Uh, Tom Willander, uh, he stayed the same, just outside the first round. Uh, Andrew Crystal, Crystal, Andrew Crystal, whatever, uh, <laughs> he stayed the same. I believe at the end of the week he was in the same spot, around eight. Uh, Griffin Erdman, I did a game of him and moved him down a little bit. Um, Luca Pinelli, I moved him down a couple of spots, uh, just two, but he's still in the first round for me. Uh, Ryan Leonard, I left him in the same spot, uh, but I think I moved him up later in the week. Uh, yes. Oh, right. I moved Gavin Brindley up a spot, uh, or down a spot, which moved Ryan Leonard up a spot. Uh, Owen Beckner, I did a game of him. Uh, he stayed off the list. Uh, I did another game of Isaac Hedquist uh, in Lulio. I moved him down, um, but not because he's bad, just because other guys I, I like a little better, and I think I had Hedquist a little high because I just started watching him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I did another game of uh, Russian uh, tiny boy uh, Dmitry Vlasenko, who is always a, just a barrel of monkeys. Um, then I did a game of Will Smith. He stayed the same. Um, Connor Bedard I did another game of. He, you know, he was okay. You know, I just... I don't know. We're not. I'm not sure about him, but he was okay. Uh, Gavin Brindley, like I said, moved down a spot. I did another game of Luca Cagnoni. He moved down a spot. Uh, Quinton Musty, I did another game of. He stayed the same. Edward Schale, uh, I did another game of him. He stayed the same. I did another game of Dmitry Simashev. He was awesome, so he stayed the same. Uh, I did another game of Matvey Michkov, but my second game of him with Sochi, and he was, again, outstanding, so I moved him up. Big news for me. I moved him past Leo Carlson. He's back to number three. I he's we'll talk about him if you want, but uh, he has been simply outstanding uh, since moving to Sochi, uh, night and day since since the start of the year, in my view. Uh, and then I ended the year, uh, week with a game of uh, Swedish forward David Ed David Edstrom. Uh, he's been playing in the SHL a little bit recently, so I did a game of him at that level because he's been kind of interesting to watch with the junior team for a while. Um, and I was curious of how he played in the SHL. He actually played really well and gotten an, uh, gotten, got an assist, which was nice, uh, and it was at 5-on-5, five five, so it counts. 
so yeah, that's been the week. Um, and next week on the short list of guys, I want to do another circle back on guys like Caden Price and Bo Akey and Cam Allen. Uh, I want to do another game at Grayson Sachin, Dalibor Dvorsky. It's about time we do another check-in on him. Um, Felix Nilsson is another Swede that I'm kind of interested in. So he's, these are all guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on looking for, uh, looking for looking for uh some 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 guys i need an update on an updated look it's been a while for some of those guys um okay so uh let's just dive right into the questions um and if anyone's going to ask uh scouting reports uh hopefully i'll be able to start production in within the next couple of weeks um i might need to rethink my format a little bit um but uh we'll cross that bridge when we get to it um, also, Raybro, thank you very much for your two years of support of the channel. You're a real, uh, a real active member of the community. You're a gem, uh, a, a lovely young man, and uh, on the, on the, hopefully, 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 on the right track of of life, you know. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for the support. You got a little, uh, you got a little twenty four month little, uh, little. How do you do there? So, and and enjoy. I, I've enjoyed the uh, the support over the last two years. So it's been great. Okay. Um, we're going to start from the top. We've got Game Pass guys starting off uh, the chat. Uh, am I crazy that I think the Canucks should take Mikhail Gulyayev around 10th? He's just the best and I want him so bad. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I really like him. Uh, you know, Mikhail Gulyayev is, is very, very interesting. He's a guy who I think could be a very very good player but he needs to come quite a ways and there's some stuff that he does that is not great um i don't know i get the feeling it's it's very much an experience thing with him top 10 like when i look at my top 10 i'd say my top 13 right before guliaev are guys that i'm really excited about and the first 11 are probably guys that i am Definitely drafting in the first round. Gavin Brindley and Jaden Perron, like, later in the first round might be there, and they'd be great pickups there. Gulyayev, I have him at 14, but right around there is where the draft really opens up, and I think that he does have maybe of those guys past 14, like, if you really want to swing for the fences, like, the most upside. Like, his offensive transition game, his forward skating, and... And the mobility that he's he's improving on with his mobility, like I've seen him make one cut and come from the middle of the ice out to the boards and block shots and like all these crazy little things that he does with his feet. Um, you know, really skilled as well. And I think that he's starting to put it together as term in terms of like how to get the puck up the ice with control and everything. Because sometimes it's very not good, but at times he's majestic doing it. Um, you know, he's a guy who pretty much exclusively just gets the puck in the offensive zone and just puts it on net, which not my, not my style. I would really like to see him use some more skill and some of that footwork in the offensive zone to maybe open his game up a little bit and open up some options. But there are signs there of someone really, really, really fun. And I, I think that you could do a lot worse, maybe not a 10th, but somewhere in the middle of the first round. And I get the feeling that he might slip quite a bit just because of how he plays, uh, you know, the style of play that he shows and the holes in his game that are definitely there. But if he was drafted at 10th overall, I'd have a lot of respect for that because that's 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 going for it. You're going for it. I, I doubt it, but uh, here he's going for it. Or they're going for it. They'd be going for it. Uh, also curious if you've ever seen if if you have ever seen if you also curious if you have ever seen if you would have drafted better than your Toronto Maple Leafs if you compare who you would have taken since you started doing this. That's exactly what I do. Uh, team scouting is uh, a thing that I do. Um, relative to Toronto, I would say it's been a mixed bag. 
Um, you know, Toronto's pulled guys like Pontus Holmberg out of a hat. Um, but I mean, since I've been doing this since 2015, so you're, like really doing the data work heavy in 2015, guys like Kirill Kaprizov are on that list. Um, you know, uh, Joe Valeno uh, was the guy over Rasmus Sandin, but they're both NHL players. I still really like Dmitry Timoshov. I feel like the Leafs would have done a much better job with Jonathan Dolan than the multiple teams that he didn't really have much interest in in in, in playing for. It seems. Um, I mean, the right side defense for the team would be quite something with Rasmus Anderson, Timothy Liljegren, uh, Adam Fox, Kalen Addison, um, and still, I'm still a believer in my boy Freddie Ayard. He he was always a fun player to watch, but uh, never quite cracked the roster. Taylor Radish up front, Noah Gregor. You know, just a lot of interesting players. Ivan Chekovic uh, was another one on there that I really believed in. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag, um, but uh, not. I, I don't. I don't get too down on myself, and I really do think that. I mean, ever since I started the tracking work, I've gotten a lot more confident with what I'm looking for um, and and what I see, and and playing the long game with a lot of these guys. Like it's always very difficult when you draft a guy, say in 2019 or 2020, and it's 2022, and people are going, "Well, why isn't this guy in the NHL yet?" or whatever. It's like, well. It's been a couple of seasons. Like, let's give it let's give it a few more years. You know, sometimes the guys that I like take a little bit longer to to get to where they need to be, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I mean, also, it, it would be nice for Toronto to have a guy like Daniel Vladar in net. Um, I have Dmitry Nikolaev as a goaltender that I drafted, and he has been spectacular for St. Petersburg this year. I mean, it's hard not to be spectacular when, they're gold, when you're their goaltender. Um, but that's exactly what I've done ever since I've started because I think it's good as an evaluator – to put your money where your mouth is, because it's easy to say, well, here's 30 players that are all really good, right? But it is very different to, like, actually be on the draft floor and be like, this is the guy that I am picking, and I will let other teams pick all of these other guys, and then I'll get one more pick, and then I let a bunch of other teams pick them. It's way more difficult to do that than it is just to look at a bunch of players and go, these are the good ones. Um, so that's what I've been doing for years. Um... What's your take on the Leafs trades over the last few weeks? Oh my god. Okay, so honestly like with with what Toronto's been up to, my thoughts are complicated. Um like to me, it's like the Toronto Maple Leafs feel like Austin Matthews is 35 years old and it's his last kick at the can. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're not great. But I understand why the Penguins are going, we're just going to dump everything and just go for it. Because, like, who knows? You know, like, or like the Edmonton Oilers, where they've been just not good for so long that they're just going, you know what? We've got a good team now. Let's just push, you know? And it's not like the Edmonton Oilers really gave up that much for Matthias Eckholm, right? Um, they gave up quite a bit, but it wasn't, like, a huge amount. And... When I look at what Toronto did, I'm sort of sitting there going, well, like, if this doesn't work, right? Like, I look at Toronto and say, at the end of the day, no matter what moves they make, in the first round, they're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have Andre Vasilevsky. That, that's a tough hill to climb no matter what. And in my view, like, if you have Ilya Samsonov in one net and Andre Vasilevsky in the other, that, to me, sounds like a mismatch. And in the playoffs, that's sometimes what it will come down to, you know, and you know that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to go out there and just blast Toronto to bits as much as they possibly can. And when that happens with Toronto in, in, his, in the history of the Leafs, it's tough for them to overcome that. It's tough. Not saying it's impossible. So 
my thoughts are complicated because like the moves as a whole like yes it they're good right like ryan o'reilly is a good player and he has fit in well jake mccabe he gives them a jake muzzin replacement basically right like basically you know sam lafferty fine he's a capable dude noel achari a pretty good capable dude you know they, they've they've done all these things you know getting luke shen for some reason like whatever you need your defensive depth and only cost a third a third line uh, uh, a third line you know or a third pair d whatever like in the playoffs you need depth right like who knows like there's been a freak injury for toronto i think every playoff season or they lost nazem kadri to suspension twice in a row they lost jake muzzin to a freak injury and they lost john tavares to a freak injury the playoffs are fickle so i guess having depth makes sense but to me with toronto it's like they've put themselves in a situation to me where if it doesn't work this year who is going to play for this team like who is going to play for the toronto maple leafs in two years right like if this doesn't work are they going to be able to keep any of these guys like you've got jake mccabe locked up that's fine sure whatever but you're like the whole point of where they should be now like this is what happens when you make a bunch of little mistakes over the years right like the Leafs, you know, botched the draft picks for the Austin Matthews draft and the Timothy Lilligren draft. Like, the drafts when they were really bad, they have really nothing left in that draft. And those are the guys that should be cheap, good depth that play on your team. The ones that actually have worked out, they've sold off for guys like Jake Muzzin with Sean Dursey and Carl Grundstrom. Like, not that those guys would be massive play drivers for Toronto, but the more of those guys you have, the the more easy it is to build a team around them. Like if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs before the trade deadline, like they were a couple of, they look at the, who they were playing on defense this year. They had to reach down to Philip crawl, right? Like if the Leafs got into injury trouble, they were in a lot of trouble. So I guess there's an argument to be had for depth, but they're in a weird situation. I, I think they are mortgaging a, like basically everything they have for the future. I don't really know why you trade Rasmus Sandin um it's it's a very strange series of moves but i like i get it you're going for it but they've really like there's not that many more like options for them in the next few years to continue like being sustainably this good around the group of players they've assembled like i just there, there aren't that many prospects left. You probably want to keep Matt Nyes based on what I've seen of him with Minnesota. And they don't have any really high draft picks. Like, yes, they do well with some of their picks in the draft over the, over the years. Sure. They're going to need to really do well. And even then, these guys are probably a few years away, right? Like the 2020 class, the 2019 class, they're going to need stuff from these guys. I don't know. The point is, like, it doesn't matter right with the Toronto Maple Leafs it doesn't matter they have to do better this year than they have in the previous five they just have to there's no other option because if they don't all of this really seems like a waste and there's not much to keep firing out the door to bring more stuff in they're just I mean maybe there's some options for them but it's going to be tough so I don't know I don't really know it's complicated I I like if they win the Stanley Cup then who cares? Nobody cares. No one minds. And I think they have a team that on paper is good enough to do it. But it's going to be tough. Like if they beat Tampa, they're going to have to go through Boston. And if they beat Boston, who knows who they'll have to go through. 
You know, and the, uh, it was so funny. The last thing I'll say on this, it was so funny to see the reaction to me just putting out a tweet being like, I can't wait to see the Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup. Because, like, part of me kind of sits back and goes, it would be hilarious if that happened, right? Like, all these teams just mortgaging everything they have, and then the one team in the NHL who has really stockpiled assets, even when they're good, just kind of sails through by one way or the other. And their deadline moves were trading a fringe prospect in Patrick Puistola for Jesse Puglia-Jarvi, who I think could be a really good bottom six forward in the NHL. You just don't really make him worry about being a top six guy, and I think he'll be a good defensive guy. And they got Shane Gostisbehar for a second or third round pick or something. A pretty good power play quarterback who can move the puck and like gives them something they kind of might need. I think those are a couple of brilliant moves, and yet other teams are shipping out multiple first-round picks, multiple second-round picks, multiple whatever. And my whole thing over the years has always been second-round picks are where you get really, 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 really good value if you play your cards right. And we'll see where it goes. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. It's tough. We'll see where it goes. Um, if the Leafs keep the Boston first-round pick they got instead of moving it or trading down, can you name a short list of players in that range you would consider selecting if you were general manager. Yeah, I have a list of them. So I had to update that list. I hesitated to update it for like a day because I figured why would Toronto sell out all of their first round picks and second round picks for the next like 40 years and then move Rasmus Rasmus Sandin out the door and bring in a first round pick and then not trade that first round pick out the door. Like they, it, it just seems very like, panicky like all over like you traded a first round pick this year in the ryan o'reilly trade and then a week or so later you're bringing one back in a year where you're making multiple trades to make a move like it's still not the deadline it could still happen but anyway in the first round uh in that range i have andrew crystal uh shortlisted there i've got dimitri simashev there uh axel sandin pelica uh gavin brinley and Jaden Perron shortlisted for the late first round and I'd be happy with any of those players if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs. But knowing the Toronto Maple Leafs, they'll they'll think something else probably because never in a million years would I think that Fraser Minton was going to be a top 40 pick last year, and he's been good this year. But we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have made a bit of an organizational pivot in the last couple of years in a direction where I'm not exactly sure where they're going. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know. Strap in. If you're a Leafs fan, strap in because, uh, this is a big playoff run. Like this is going to need to be a big one. And you just got to hope that, uh, that, you know, they don't, they don't get goalied. <laughs> you got to hope they don't get goalied. And you got to hope that Tanner, you know, the best player in the NHL, you got to hope that he doesn't start throwing elbows. Uh, anyway, uh, we've got a super chat. Wow, thank you. Um, asking another, asking about another Klimovich this time. How much have you seen of Yegor Klimovich? Also, this trade deadline feels like Christmas. Yeah, it does feel like Christmas. It's been a ton of fun. Um, I've seen Yegor Klimovich here and there over the course of the year. I'm not really sold on him. I He plays a lot of minutes for his team uh, in the weaker, weaker conference in the Russian Junior League. He's small, and I think he got... He has skill, and he's very creative. Like, in terms of adapting to guys bearing down on him and, and making secondary pass options and everything. He's tricky in that sense where he can sort of problem solve through that, but I don't really see like an NHL player there. I mean, maybe I feel like he could get drafted, maybe a late round swing some team makes. Um, but there's like other small guys in the, in the MHL, like Dmitry Vlasenko. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Vyacheslav Malov is a re-entry from last year who I have loved this year. 
Um, Nikolai Khvorov is another one. Guys that like might be around late in the draft that are a little on the smaller side, but skilled and fun to watch and, and just might, you know, uh, be better bets in terms of like really pushing pace and, and sort of playing a similar style, but better, I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean like he's a decent player and I think that he could get a draft pick, but I, I don't think he's going to be on my list. I haven't tracked any data. Maybe I should. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I, he's a guy that I've seen a few times over the course of the year and just have never really felt that in terms of an undersized skill guy, there's enough there to make it make it make sense. Um, are you high on Sasha Pastajov? Is his skating still a problem? So I, I'm i higher on him now than I was at draft time. I think he's really upgraded his just skill level and, and just his ability to not – like it's hard to explain – when he was draft eligible, he was very slow and very clunky and not particularly involved defensively at all, but he really drove a lot of solid results with regards to playmaking. The big thing I've noticed about Sasha Pastajov is that I think he's more skilled more than anything, and he's able to like attack the middle of the ice a lot more on his own now than when he was with the junior team when I watched him in the U.S., like he was very much a perimeter shooter, a perimeter playmaker, very low pace. And I could easily see why he slipped in the draft. Um, and I think he's gotten better. I don't, I don't know if he's like going to be an NHL player, but at least a very good AHLer. I could easily see that. Like I could easily see a guy like him scoring points in, in the minor leagues. I just, I don't know uh, unless he fits a very specific role in the offensive zone in the NHL and you kind of alleviate some defensive responsibility from him or something, maybe it would work, but it's just in my view, that's not my brand of, of, of winger, but he's good. He's, he's a good player. Um, you know, a really, really good junior player. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. I think the AHL is the next step, uh, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, be honest as a hockey fan. Hasn't this been the most fun week ever for the NHL? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of other crazy times to be... I mean, when P.K. Subban got traded for Shea Weber, I mean, that was a move that was really out of left field. Like, really out of left field. But, I mean, in terms of this week, it's probably up there, I would say. At least in my lifetime that I can remember. Um, it's pretty wild. Maybe, maybe the news that was going on when the 2004 five lockout was like coming to a close, like probably most of you are too young to remember. I am almost too young to remember, but I remember why, and there was no social media. So there was no Twitter or anything, but every day on Sportsnet or on sports center on TSN for whatever, for example, every day they were like leading up to the agreement. It was like more and more news. And it was like every day you tune in to be like, well, what happens now? Like what's going on? What's going on? And it would be like slow, like a slow sort of burn. And then it like you, when it, cause we lost an entire season, right? We go a whole season without hockey. And then all of a sudden it's just like little bits of percolation to like note that, Hey, the league might be coming back. And that was a pretty, that's only one news story, but that was a pretty crazy week or so that I remember. But this is in terms of the NHL player transactions and stuff. Insane. Just completely crazy. Uh, what do you think of Jacob Melanson? Eh, I don't know. I I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like him as a goal scorer, but there isn't much else going on for me. Like 
I kind of like Riley Kidney. I'm trying to remember what I thought of at the draft time. I did like Cole Huckins quite a bit, but he is really stagnated and not really sort of taken a step in his game at all. Um, Riley Kidney, I think I like a little more than Melanson as well, but Melanson has some pretty good skill and attacks the middle well and, and can score. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, again, I don't see really, I don't know if I see an NHL player there, but he's, he's fine. He's a fine junior scorer, I think. Uh, who on your watch list for this week do you desperately want to talk about? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> There's nobody who's like really jumped off the page right away early in this. I mean, I did. Okay, here's one. Uh, I was surfing around uh, watching a bunch of little snippets of high school players in Minnesota. And uh, Joel Hansen popped up, who's a class A high school defender playing for Minneapolis High. And that is a very, very low level of play. Um, but he's scored a lot of points this year. And when I watched him, he was the only high school guy where I sat back and went, oh, okay, this guy's pretty good. Like he's pretty young for the draft class. I think he's a junior July birthday, um, six foot three defenseman. I think really good puck carrier, really powerful forward stride, pretty good skill as well from the point, pretty decent shot. Um, I'm not surprised he has 10 goals in 22 games. He's on the watch list because I don't really know how to think about class A high school in the States. And I just get the, I think the only class A guy that's worked out in the NHL long-term is TJ Oshie, I think. And I have not found one since that I really get excited about. Um, and teams sometimes draft them, but Joel Hansen is a guy that kind of has stuck out to me. I don't know if I would draft him. I'd want to see him in college. I'm not even, I don't think he's even committed anywhere, but he was fun. He was fun to watch. Um, I'm not going to bother tracking a game because I don't know. It's class a high school in Minnesota and his team wins most games like six, one. Uh, so meh. Um, but he's been fun to watch. Um, really fun to watch, but I'm not sure of like, nor I don't know. I just don't know what to think of him because you know, it's been, it's, it, it's a really low level of play. Um, what do you think of the New Jersey Devils now that they added Timo Meyer? I mean, they look great. I mean, they're, the New Jersey Devils are one of those teams where you look at their roster and you're like, oh, they have all these guys. Like, I forgot about all those guys. I mean, my cropping is weird here, but like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, I Andre Pallad is also quite good. Um, you got Jesper Brat there. Uh, you know, Timo Meyer, of course, is there. I always have liked Eric Halla as like a depth center. I, I do like him. Uh, Sharangovich, uh, Sharangovich, I should say. He's also in there as well. He's been a good player. Jo Dawson Mercer has looked good this year as well. I've always had a soft spot for Jesper Boakvist as well. Um, once in a while, that guy snaps his stick and in goes the puck and it just looks awesome. Uh, your defense group looks really good. Hamilton, Marino. I always have loved John Marino. Uh, Severson, you know, Ryan Graves is also a pretty good defender. Um, Jonas Siegenthaler, you know, uh, just a lot of really interesting players. And assuming your goaltending holds, holds up, I don't see why the New Jersey Devils can't have as much a chance as anyone else in the East to like come out. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath and there's going to be a lot of really, really, really sad fan bases because a lot of teams are really, really going for it. But luckily for New Jersey, they got the guy who is an RFA. And I think Timo Meyer, in terms of like all around complete game, like for a winger, like a guy that does everything, he 
I don't know about a player who's like better, you know, goal scoring, setting plays up, hitting, you know, high intensity game. I just, I'm trying to think of someone else that, that can really hold a candle to that, that especially around his age. I don't really know. Um, but, but yeah, he's a great pickup and I, I think the, I don't think they paid that much to get him overall, like considering what they've already got in the system. And like, this is why you draft well, you, this is why you get a lot of draft picks and you draft well. If you draft things that other teams want, you know, it's going to work out for you. Now, but, but that, the nice thing about the rain, the, the devils is they had all these guys at the top where they probably were like, we're not trading these guys, but we'll trade these guys who personally to me, I'm not as much a fan of, but they just go, well, you can have them, but we'll just add more stuff with them. And they went and they might've gone from there. Um, but any case, uh, yeah, I think the devils look really good. And I, I think that they, you know, I mean, do they have a team where I look at them and I'm like, wow, if they don't win the Stanley cup, they suck. No, not at all. But I do think they have a team that has as good a chance as any other, uh, you know, I don't see a reason where I'm looking at them where it's like Nashville a couple of years ago and you know, go, oh my God, these guys are going to get killed if UC Soros doesn't stop 50 shots a night. Um, I don't think the devils are in that position, but they, they have as good a chance as any, I would say. Uh, wings have lots of picks in the next two drafts. Could hopefully get Sandine Pelico or Reinbacher with that Islanders pick or load up on centers. Pinelli is a target with the Vancouver second rounder. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. They have added a lot of draft picks for, for Detroit. Uh, and they tend to use their picks pretty well. Not every single pick, but they use them generally okay. Uh, how is the transition and involvement data look for Mitchkov with Sochi? Uh, tremendous. Um, the thing about the thing about Mitchkov, I need to pull up his actual game by game data here. I, won't, I can't. I can't show it. I can't show my data, unfortunately. Um, but uh, rest assured, everything I am about to say is true. So I've done five games of Mitchkov. The first three were in the VHL and the last two were in the KHL. Just here's the first thing that, that kind of jumps off the page to you. Um, I think I don't have the math directly in front of me, but if one thing I noticed about Mitchkov early in the year is he really seemed to be, he really seemed to be playing like a kid. He was playing like a really talented kid in house league, right? Why should I back check? I'm just going to stand at the offensive, at the defensive blue line or in the neutral zone and you get me the puck and I'll do the rest. And then I am better than everyone I am trying to deke and I'm going to do everything myself. Um, the number of times that he received pucks in the neutral zone, which to me isn't always the, the best indicator of projectable talent because you need your guys back checking. He had 12 controlled exits uh, from, from pass receptions in the neutral zone. In the two KHL games I've done, he's had three total. So there's four in each game that I saw with the VHL team, and there's been three total in the two games with Sochi. In the three games with uh, SKA and the VHL, he had three, no, five shot assists total, and he's had five in the two in the KHL games I've seen. Three of those shot assists with the VHL team came in the first game. His pass percentages have just been insanely high. He had three slot pass attempts with with the VHL team. He's had 11 with Sochi. Like, the the puck distribution game from Matvey Michkov just appeared. It Like, you look at a kid who scores that many goals and you go, okay, like, I don't, I don't see... Like, this is cool, but, like, you got to play as a team to win games. And then all of a sudden, like, that with Sochi, he's, like, a completely different player. Um, and it's kind of mind boggling. And I don't, again, like I've been watching Matvey Michkov for three years now. Like I remember the first time I saw him at the youth Olympic games 
and liking Marash Nashenko more. Um, at the and last year, I remember watching him going, "Okay, this is a hell of a goal scorer, a hell of a goal scorer." But he's kind of just doing whatever he wants and doing his own thing and skating into a lot of trouble on his own. And like his shot attempt differentials with the VHL team this year were also not very good. Um, but with the with the S, with the KHL team, like I think his team finished the season with eleven wins, and he only played twenty seven games with them. And I think he was there for seven of the eleven wins. And he played, like, 27 of 68 games with the team. Like, as soon as he showed up, Sochi just seemed to click. Uh, And I think a lot of that – I mean, I think they do have a relatively young – they have a very young but I think relatively talented team. Um, Adding Mikhail Berdan for their goaltending also really helped them. But, I mean, Matvey Michkov just was setting up plays constantly in both of the games that I tracked – um, driving a ton of offense, uh, not just off of his own stick. I mean, he's still shooting the puck a ton, um, and I would like him maybe choosing his shots a little bit better, especially when he's sort of on the rush and everything, but it's not bad. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, this is why, you know, I, it would have been dishonest for me to leave him at three if he if he stayed in the VHL, but my angle, my angle was, like, based on what he's showing, I didn't think he was a top-five guy. But then as soon as he went to Sochi, it really feels like his coach sort of sat him down or something and was like, look, we know you're sick. We know you're awesome, but this is what we need from you. And if we don't get it, like you get to go out and have fun with the boys for 17 minutes a night in the KHL, but we're going to need to see these things from you because that's how you play at this level. And he was just like, okay. And then went out and did it. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand the other, any other, any, any other explanation. I don't get it. Uh, cause it, it really has been amazing to watch him play the last couple of games. Like, I, I don't know. I did Leo, I did a game of Leo Carlson last week. I don't know. I mean, I, I think you could flip a coin between the two and, and whatever. And I do think that there are other players that really push Mitchkov, um, maybe not in the same style of play, but in terms of overall value and impact on the game, I think there are some other players that could really sort of give him a run for his money, but sheesh, I mean, he is really good. Uh, and, uh, this is the player that, I don't know. This isn't even the player that I was. People were advertising. He's just a very, very different player. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I like it. And if this is what he is, uh, yeah, he's gonna be a, a pretty darn good offensive winger, I think. And even he's even back checking now, which is crazy. Like I remember in the VHL, he just he wasn't back checking at all. And there are some moments in the KHL where you catch him sort of floating around, but for for the most part, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, what is Colby Barlow and why do I find it so hard to figure out what I think about him? Because he has a lot of points and sometimes when you watch him, you go, I don't understand how this guy's going to score 50 goals in the OHL. Um, you know, Colby Barlow can really shoot the puck. He's very big and resilient and strong on his feet and that could help him in the NHL, but I'm not a huge fan of his, the pace of his game. I don't think his skill level is really high enough to be a great transition threat. Um, the last couple games I've seen of him have been better than the first few that I saw, but I, again, like it's another one of these guys like Dalibor Dvorsky and a number of players in previous drafts where I go, okay, like a lot of people just are putting him in the top 10 and I struggle to see why, but like, if that's what you want, then go crazy, right? Like I can't deny that with a guy like Colby Barlow, more experience and more time in the weight room and, and developing his skill a little more won't make him a really good power forward in the NHL. I, I could see that happening. But again, what I'm trying to do is mitigate risk. And if you if you draft in the top 10 and miss, that's a really big miss. And I feel like it's easier to miss if you draft guys where there's a longer trajectory to go 
you know, to get to where you think they can be. And I feel like with Barlow, there's a long way. Like I did another game of Dmitry Simashev today, this week. You know, yeah, he doesn't have a ton of points. And I personally make the argument of like long-term development with him. But that's only because you can see what he's doing now and going, okay, yeah, like what he's doing now is already super, super high end. And it just needs to be put together a little bit more. Whereas with Barlow, it's like the results just aren't quite there. With Simashev, they absolutely are. His transition results have been great, especially defensively. Um, and and you can work with that. But in any case, with Barlow, I don't blame you for having trouble with him because I have trouble with him. And I mean, look, it's like him and Dalibor Dvorsky and Braden Yeager are guys where Matt Wood is another one where it's like if it's top 15 and you're thinking about those guys, like I'm not sure I would do it, but like feel like be my guest. It's probably going to happen, but like I just I think those guys have a longer way to go. Uh, David, if I told you what the secret gig was, I'd have to kill you. Um, and also it wouldn't be a secret. Uh, Leo Carlson was scratched on Tuesday's game due to him oversleeping on multiple occasions. Do you think that will affect his draft stock? It shouldn't. He's 17 years old, 18 years old. Like it happens. Nazem Kadri overslept with Toronto. People were calling him fat and lazy. And like, to a certain extent, now looking back, some of that was kind of true, but he figured it out and he turned out pretty freaking good. So if you want to devalue Leo Carlson, like the thing that kills me about this is that stuff like that happens and people go, Oh gee, maybe he's a problem kid. So I don't know if we want to take him. It's like, okay. I thought we were here to talk about development and development also includes like off ice stuff, you know, like you should be able to, you know, like there is a certain point where it's like, okay, you overslept like dummy, like, if you want to be a professional sports athlete, you can't be sleeping in, right? Like, come on. And if he does it again, you go, okay, like, come on, like, what's going on? You know, and you you just got to, like, work with the person and, like, you know, not just cast them aside and, like, actually deal with it. And I imagine that's what they're doing. And part of that is by scratching him. I don't think it really matters, right? Like, I don't know. You interview him and, and see what the read is on him there because I do think that might shine some light, but... Just because someone oversleeps, I don't think it really matters. I at least not to me. Like it's not it's not enough for me to be like, nah, I don't know. Um, but maybe it is for some other people. Uh oh, hello, bolster man. Uh, can you believe the Sens got Chikrin? I'm so happy. I actually can't. I just I can't believe that of all the teams, of all the teams, of all the trade things that people have put on cap friendly of Jacob Chikrin going to Toronto and to Ottawa and to Philadelphia and to wherever, all those, all of that for years and years and years. And we end up with a trade that's a first and a two second round picks to send him to Ottawa. You know, like fart noise a little bit after, especially after the week we've just had, but yeah, I mean, cool. Good for Ottawa. They've now got a really good group of defensemen there. Uh, Zaitsev is out in comes Chikrin, not a bad upgrade. Uh, so hopefully, the Sens finally turn a corner because they're going to need to. These guys, they don't have forever. Like, yeah, they have a lot of young guys, but like, they're also like, some of their guys are in their mid twenties and you know, you're, you got, you got a few years to go, to go for it here. If you want to go for it. And, uh, Chikrin certainly helps. Lady Ice. Hello. With the beginning of the CHL overager signing, who would you target? And what do you think of the recent signee, uh, signees? Oh, did Christopher Seedoff sign? I didn't know that. I was going to say him. 
Because I kind of like him. Uh, Christopher Seedoff. I don't... Did he sign? I need to find out. I need to find out. Vegas. Oh, he went to Vegas. That's cool. Um, yeah, I like Christopher Seedoff. I I'm not sure I f how I feel about Jackson Weeb and Alexandre Doucette. Um, I mean, most CHL overagers are just guys. You know, Justin Brezzo scored like 130 points and was like a mediocre AHLer. Um, like, you have to remember that these guys are 21 years old playing against competition that could be as young as 16. Um, and they're going to be playing next year against guys that might be 10 years older than that. Um, so it's going to be a big jump. Um, but I like Sean McGurn in London. Uh, he's a guy who I've liked since last year. Uh, he flirted with my list a little bit last year. I like him. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, Sean McGurn is one. Chris Seedoff is another one. Um, I've always liked Josh Nor Josh Lawrence and Brady Burns out in Quebec. Um, they've, they're, they've been good players out there, but I don't know if there's NHL upside with any of those guys. But like AHL fodder, yeah, I can absolutely see it. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, I like Landon Cozier uh, in the WHL defenseman for Prince Albert. Like he's, I think he's their captain, if I'm not mistaken. But he's always been a guy that's sort of been on my radar as a late round option. But you know, now you can get him for free. Well, money, but no, no picks. Um, and he might be an interesting one that 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 you could add. But like, I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Like Sean McGurn's the guy that I think that sticks out the most to me. Um. Okay, uh, if the Sens... Oh, boy. Uh, oh, weird. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, boy, Jordan Millette. Oh, crap. If the Sens make the playoffs and beat the Leafs en route to a Stanley Cup victory, what color suit should Pierre wear to accept his GM of the Year award? Obviously blue. Like, if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm going to a custom, sh custom suit tailor, getting a, sh a suit that is color-matched to... It color matched to the Toronto Maple Leafs colors, and the lining on the inside is absolutely going to be like me lifting the Stanley Cup on one side and sobbing Leafs and their fans on the other side. Like, that is 100% what I would do if I were him. Um, and if that, like, just because of what's happened with Toronto and how it is in Toronto and what being a Leafs fan is like, um, you the knife always twists deeper. And it's been twisting deeper every year. So you wonder how deep it can get. That's about as deep as it might get. And that that means it's going to happen. So there's that. Uh, any thoughts on James Hong? I've tracked a couple of games of him. I, he, I think he's like almost a good junior player. But I just don't really see it. Like he's a pretty quick straight line guy. But hasn't really done much in the games I've tracked except you know when the puck's in the offensive zone and it hits a stick he kind of makes a good play once in a while I've seen a few games of him I kind of like Connor Brown on that team a little bit more I really like Griffin Erdman uh on on Waterloo um so those guys I'm a little more interested in but Hong is interesting like he's a good straight line guy pretty decent shooter as well um but I think I don't, I don't know I feel like he's just like, when I look at my list I go who would I rather would I rather have these guys or James Hong the answer is almost always the other guys. Um, but he's not a bad player at all. Uh, Holland did something not bad. Yeah, I mean, upgrading from Tyson Berry to Matthias Hackholm in a certain sense, yeah, it's a good move. And uh, gives you, in the in Edmonton Oilers country, something that you kind of need. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, like they have a team that has just as good a chance as anyone else, in my opinion, based on things now. Like if Jack Campbell or Stuart Skinner show up in the playoffs, give you saves, 
You never know what could happen. And you still also have the cheat codes in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, if I'm the team playing the Edmonton Oilers, I push the limits and go, I'm just going to grab on to Connor McDavid and go for a ride and see if I get penalty called on me. And if I don't, then I am going to um, be grabbing onto him like I am the pilot of a chariot. And he is the horse pulling me around. That's how it's going to work. Uh, thoughts on Scott Wheeler's list. It really seemed like a list from October more than the second half of the season to me. I did read it. Um, it's, I mean, I don't know. He's a, he has his own opinions. Like Scott does the work. Um, you know, Scott's a guy who's really passionate about this stuff. Um, I, I mean, I do think, I do think there's, I, I do believe strongly that inertia, like mental inertia is a thing with scouting and, and talent evaluators where it's like, well, you know, it, it like, Again, this isn't really specifically about Scott, because I like Scott, really smart guy, you know, I've met him, super nice, you know, does the work. But there's also this, there's this thing I find with, with, you know, it's like, everyone talks about, say, Braden Yeager as a top five pick, or Dalibor Dvorsky as a top ten pick. And then when you watch them, and they kind of like underwhelm you, sometimes the reaction can be, well, they're just not showing this yet. Or, oh, it's just they're adjusting to this, or whatever. And, and it can be really hard to sort of go, yeah, but these other guys are showing those things already. So what, what's the, what's the, what's the deal? And I don't know. And I think that that might lock some guys higher on people's lists, especially guys who've been watching these kids since they were 16. Whereas, you know, I, I come in with a bit more of a cross-sectional approach and just go, I'm just going to watch a ton of these guys as they are right now. And back check it to my history of watching these guys and seeing how it comes, how things go with them. Um, so in any case, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, again, when people ask me of my thoughts on someone else's list, like I know for a fact that Scott Wheeler is like really doing the work to like put this stuff together. And when I read what he writes about these players, I'm never sitting back and going like, what the hell is he talking about about this guy? You know, like we can disagree about how we value certain components. And I think that he does put a lot more weight into just pure skill and like point production than I do anymore. Like maybe in the olden days I did that a little more, but nowadays things are a little different for me. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Like at least I, I think about it more from the perspective of like, who's doing the work and how is the work that they do. And with Scott, I have no problems whatsoever. Like it, it is what it is. Um, he's really passionate about this stuff. And, uh, and, and so whatever. Um, what do you think about Pittsburgh's trade for Grandland? Again, Pittsburgh's just like going for it. And Granlin does still have skill and some offensive pop. He's never been a particularly great defensive player, but, like, that's not really what you're getting him for. A second-round pick for him, like, look, the, the Penguins are in the situation where they're kind of they, – they're, they just – you've got Sidney Crosby on your team. you got to try to win. Find a way to try to win. And, I mean, Granlin gives you a boost. Granlin gives you more of a boost than a second-round pick does right now. So – uh, yeah, there you go. That's not so bad. I mean, I think that second round pick might have been better served for like a Nino Niederreiter, but he was already gone. Um, oh, David DeGerdner, have you heard about our Lord and Savior Joshua Waugh? You mean the guy who had zero points and a 10-1 win the other night? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I might have heard him. Uh, Scott Wheeler seems much lower on Simashev than you. Is Jonas Brodin a decent player comp for his ceiling? Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Jonas Brodeen step up from the blue line, do a spinorama, and get right in front of the net and try to go for a scoring chance. I don't think I've ever seen him do that. 
Um, I think Simishev has more offensive bones in his body that could really be nurtured and brought out a little more. Brody, I mean, I think Simishev is the best defensive player, defensive defenseman in this draft, in my opinion. And I mean, if Jonas Brodeen is a decent player comp, like Jonas Brodeen is a very good defensive player in the NHL. And if I got a Jonas Brodeen in the first round of the NHL draft this year, I'd be very happy. Um, but I do think that Simishev has, you know, he's got the size, but like, you just don't find six foot five defensemen that skate like he does and have skill like he does. And, and the flashes of being willing to use it to like really embarrass guys like the Sochi, he played Sochi in the game. I, I saw uh, that I tracked this week. He baited a guy from the blue line so hard that he fell down that the player defending him fell down. Um, and that's in the KHL. Like obviously Sochi's a bad team, but like this was recent and he made him look very, very silly. And it was very funny. And I, you just don't, I don't know. You, you just, you, I got a good feeling about him in terms of like long-term development and turning into something quite, quite interesting. I've heard reports about Whitelaw playing selfish, and I wonder if this could be something like what we saw with Cole Sillinger, where he just knew he was the best player on the team. No, I don't I don't think it's the same. I mean, with William Whitelaw last year, I mean, he basically got carte blanche to do whatever he wanted because he was playing prep school in Shattuck and was dominant and great. Um, this year, I mean, I think, I think that was true earlier in the year with Whitelaw. I definitely look at Whitelaw and go, he was very not smart with his puck management and his, and just scanning the the ice and utilizing line mates. It just wasn't really there. Um, very much a shot first guy around the ice, but the last couple of games I've seen him, he's been, uh, outstanding really. Um, you know, a much better puck distributor, really using his feet, going both directions a lot more and, and really pushing the pace of the game. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't, I just, I, th- I think with Cole Sillinger, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that he was the that he just was the best player on the team so he played selfish like it to me I don't know if he ever played selfish but he just tried to do a lot himself and it worked a lot of the time whereas with Whitelaw he was trying to do a lot himself and it just never worked but now Youngstown has added some guys for him to play with some new toys um and it's worked out pretty well and uh yeah he's been he's been very very good um, I've been a, a big fan of William Whitelaw, especially recently seeing him in the last month or so, two months. Uh, any late round upside on Cole Brown from Hamilton or Mikhail Ilyin from Severstal Sharapovets? So I've watched Ilyin and I figure people would ask me about him at some point because I believe he has points. Um, I don't really see much there out of Ilyin. Like he's a decently skilled guy, but like not the most mobile defend. I think he's a defender if I'm not mistaken, unless I'm thinking of someone else. Um, but Mikhail Ilyin, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I was never really super taken away with the, with him when I, when I watched him, uh, and that was earlier in the year. Um, so maybe I need to check back in on him. Cole Brown in Hamilton. I can tell you, I have not seen him, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check him out. Um, after the show, let me just write these down so that I do not forget. Okay. Uh, next. Can you describe Then- Stenberg in the think category? How's his pace? So Stenberg, uh, I mean, right now I'd say with Stenberg, I'd give him like a 1D for that. I, I think he's got a really high-end playmaking mind and his ability to sort of like think creatively to get out of sticky situations is pretty good, really good. And the stuff that he can stitch together, I mean, I'm not worried about his pace. Point two of your question, don't worry about it. It's great. He's fast, he's skilled, you know, he really loves to push the pace of the game. 
um, uses his hands as well to make space and, and give him up, give himself options. Like Stenberg is like that close to being awesome. I'm convinced of it. And he's gotten better as the year has gone on, but he's like that close to being awesome. Uh, but in terms of thinking the game, I think it's still a bit of a work in progress. Like he can try to bite off a little more than he can chew, especially in the games I've seen of him in the SHL, like just trying to do way too much. And especially, uh, situations like breakouts, like taking a little bit of extra time to hes- he hesitates and, and kind of then makes a problem for himself that he tries to get out of, but sometimes that doesn't work and it's all a big mess. Um, you know, he, he also needs to get stronger. Like he gets muscled off pucks way too much, but that's not really what you asked. Um, but I, I mean, in terms of offensive sort of thinking and like creativity and everything, it's really high end, but it's just a matter of like, for him, I think it's going to be like finding the balance of like, okay, here's what I can get away with. Here's what I can do. Here's when I can do it and where I should do it. And here's when I just need to send a breakout pass to a teammate and just make sure I go tape to tape. And like, that that's also a great play as well. Um, Cause he's kind of a mixed bag there, but I think the potential is really, really high. Uh, hello, Luca. Uh, all is well, all is well, all is pretty well, you know, it's doing, doing good. Uh, what's your opinion on Zach Dean and Reed Schaefer getting dealt rather than firsts in their place? I feel it's kind of shrewd to deal world junior players who may be overvalued. So I do really like Zach Dean. I think Zach Dean going to St. Louis, um, you know, it makes sense. I think he's a good St. Louis style player. Like they love these high pace, smashy go boom, boom boys. And I think Zach Dean does do that. Um, but he also has some skill to him as well, which I, I also like like him and Zach and Jack, Na- Jack neighbors, uh, Jake neighbors. I think they're going to just get along just fine in terms of being St. Louis blues. I think they're going to be fun there. Reed Schaefer. I mean, look, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I'm dumping Reed Schaefer before I trade another first round pick. I have never been a huge fan of Reed Schaefer. Um, I think that he is a guy that is quite incomplete. And, and I think, you know, I think he could be a good shooter, maybe a good power play shooter as well. Um, yeah, I just I, he's got some skill as well. Like if he puts it all together and and just develops a better set of feet under him and um, a bit of a better read of the ice and and more willingness to like connect on his passes and such, which I've seen quite a quite a lot be a bit of an issue for him. You know, I don't know. I but I I, I, I at the end of the day, like he went so he went in the in the Matthias Ekholm trade. I can see why he'd be a Nashville Predator, big, rangy, skilled, shooty boy. Sometimes they have those guys and they work out. Um, you know, I don't know. I've I've never been huge on Reed Schaefer, especially because you know he's one of the older draft eligibles from last year, older first time eligibles, and he just kind of hasn't really been making a huge step on a really dominant WHL team. But he's not bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get it. it you, you, but but uh, it seems like first round picks were the hot commodity this year. Um, and we're not, I don't know, we're not done yet, but I definitely don't, I don't, I like the idea of Zach Dean with the blues, uh, and Reed Schaefer. Sure. I mean, if, if that's what it took to help get the deal done to bring Matias home to Edmonton, fine, go nuts. Uh, how much better does Mitchkov have to be for you to put him in the same tier as Fantilli? I mean, it's close now. I mean, I've really liked Mitchkov with Sochi, but when I watch Adam Fantilli, man, like he just screams like high, high end NHLer. Mitchkov I think I think Mitchkov shows really bright signs of being a great offensive NHLer, but Adam Fantilli's transition game and his skating ability and size and shooting ability and you know if he puts it all together, I think he's going to be spectacular. And 
I just, I have a really hard time. Like, Fantilli is a natural center. You know, I hate to use the size argument, but he is bigger and I think skates really, really well. Um, and I, th- I don't know. I get the feeling that, that if I'm draft, if I have an NHL team, you can build a line around Adam Fantilli. Like that is a foundational piece of your team. Mitchkov, I think is a foundational piece of your team in a different way. Um, which makes it close to me, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. Mitchkov also, I don't think is going to play anymore this season. So I don't know. Um, yeah, like Mitchkov, I don't think is even going to play anymore this season. I don't believe. Um, but uh, to me, to me, if you want, like Mitchkov, to me, if you're, let me look at my list. Like if you have, if you have a situation where ugh, it's just such a good group, Mitchkov, Carlson, Moore, Smith is such a good group of players, like for all different reasons. Um, you know, and I don't know, like if, if it, if it comes down to Mitchkov is there at like six and it's like him or Will Smith, uh, or I guess that would be fifth. That would be a really tough call, I think. But I think I would lean Mitchkov for, I think I would lean Mitchkov, but it would be really tough. Um, but I think that would also be quite unlikely in my books. Like, I think he's a pretty strong three or four. I think with him and Carlson, you flip a coin. Moore is a bit more of a stretch and Will Smith, I think, has certain things that he does but i i don't know i like mitchkov's pace of his game what i've seen with sochi more than will smith so far um even if smith has maybe one of the highest end sort of offensive creativity levels that i've seen in a long time um it's tough it's tough to say but i really have a i have a lot of time for adam fantilli um and and he's just been excellent this year and and i think plays a, a style that will just translate seamlessly to the nhl uh how do you project tristan luno Uh, A guy that will play minutes, uh, eat minutes, probably not be terrible, probably not be great. You know, like he's, he's a perfectly adequate puck mover, um, loves to shoot the puck from the point, but I was never, I was never really super taken with his game last year when I saw it. Uh, Julian, hello. Great to be back. Haven't been able to be here for a bit. Uh, any major updates on the big defense prospects recently? Sad Jets fan looking for good vibes. Uh, I mean, nothing really has changed. For me, my defense groups are Simashev and Sandin Pelika on their own at the top, and then you've got Gulyayev, Kagnoni, Reinbacher, Molendijk, and Willander, I'd say, in the next group. Uh, Jakob Dvorak's been hurt for a while, but I still like him. Bo Aiki is also pretty good. Matthew Mania, Andrew Strothman. Like, you get into a bit of the weeds there with those types of players. Um, Caden Price, I mean, I love Caden Price when he's really good, but that just does not happen very often, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it, nothing really has changed that much. I haven't really drastically shifted anything with the, the defense prospects this season. You prioritize guys who drive play, but when in the draft could, or should you pivot to look for the complementary types in terms of being a realistic about driving play at the NHL level? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think there are players like, okay, so here's a good way of putting it. Like I have, I'd say like the way I see my list right now is I've got the top four tiers, my top 13, are, I think, great play drivers right now. Guys who get up the ice, get the puck up the ice, do a lot of things the right way, and can score, or have the potential to score. They do a lot of things really well um, that also drive play at both ends. That's, that's what I love. Beyond that, it's a weird mix of guys who do that sometimes or do that with uncertainty. Guys like Timur Mukhanov drives play, but he is really small. 
and how much can, he'll be an interesting experience of like how much can speed overcome your lack of size because he's really 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 fast and really really skilled um and he just has to put I, he's again i feel like he's one of those guys that's almost really really good Otto stenberg again similar but he's a very flawed play driver. Sometimes he's extraordinarily good at driving play, and other times he's very frustrating and can be in and out and make some not great plays, and it and it hurts you. Um, I, I when I look at a guy, but then when you get to guys that are a little more complementary, so to me, the names that in that tier in my fifth tier that sort of pop up as guys that may not drive play super well, but like really good contributors in a certain area. Guys like David Reinbacher come to mind. Um, Edward, Edward Chalet in a certain way, I think would do that. Callum Ritchie, I think is a really interesting option. If you just want a guy to just glue the, glue the guys together on the ice, make good passes, make good reads and simple stuff and just execute well, that might not blow your socks off, but like he'll be okay. Um, Gabe Perot, I think is the ultimate complimentary offensive piece this year. Like I, I think with Gabe Perot, like if you're drafting Gabe Perot, over any of the guys in that top 13 where I really see good play drivers, I think you kind of lose me a little bit. But I have Perot at 28, and if you have guys like Gulyayev and Stenberg and Quinton Musty and Riley Height on the board, and you really want Gabe Perot at like 17th overall, I don't hate the idea, especially if you're, say, the Anaheim Ducks with a second first-round pick or something, and you've drafted, say, Adam Fantilli, and you've got Trevor Zegers on the team, and you've got Mason Marchment, Mason Marchment, Mason McTavish already, and Gabe Perot is a guy where you're like, yeah, Pavel Minchukov is going to carry the puck up the ice, give it to Gabe Perot at the offensive blue line, who will step over the offensive blue line, stop up, make a look, find someone on the opposite wing or Trevor Zegers or something streaking in, hit him with a pass, go to the net, and he'll finish. Like, cool. Great. That that is a thing that can work. And you do need players like that. So, you know, uh Dalibor Dvorsky's another example of a guy that I think could glue things together coming out of the defensive end and, you know, maybe not really be the quarterback that turn you know, that turns the uh, that that opens the sails on the boat, um, but he could be the guy that really just eats minutes and maybe isn't a huge, huge guy. And I feel like if you get that in the late first round, you've done well. So that's kind of where I put those guys. There are some guys interspersed in here that I think are really high risk, but if it works, it could be a ton of fun. And I am more tolerant of risk. Um, guys like uh, guys like Alex Cernick, Luca Cagnoni, um, even Riley Height, William Whitelaw, those guys all kind of factor in on the same page as guys that really do drive play really, really well, um, but have flaws elsewhere that you might need to shore up or just be able to deal with uh, if you just want that high pace, high flying player that can play offensively. Um, do you project Matt Maggio and Alexandre Doucet as NHL players, to, or too good for the NHL? Not as good as the uh, not as good for the NHL. I really like Matt Maggio. Um, I don't know if he's like an NHL player. I like him, but I, I don't know. I, I it's it's really hard to tell. I can't. I don't have a crystal ball. I've seen Maggio play. Uh, a few times and I've liked him every time um, just a good high pace high skill guy um, but it'll be a different story in the AHL with managing managing uh, pressure and 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 not just being the guy that can take it end to end and 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 distribute in the offensive end like there's going to be a bit more to it but I have no problems with him like potentially being a good AHLer and maybe he earns a call up at some point because I have liked him Doucette, I have not seen nearly enough to know, but whenever I've seen him, I've kind of thought he was okay. You know, again, most CHL overagers, they're 
their guys, right? Like they kind of bounce around the AHL, ECHL, most of them. You know, the ones that people get really hyped about, like Alex Barre, Boulay, still just kind of usually turn out to be guys. Uh, oh, Grav is in here. Hello, sir, Mr. Superstar. Uh, what's going on? My question's about Luca Cagnoni. Where do you project him in an NHL lineup, and what kind of NHL player do you see him being? So Cagnoni is all skill. Like, that. he's a defenseman that is all skill and all feet. He's got a great set of feet under him. He's really fluid, really mobile, really, really, really skilled. Um, I don't, I mean, the way he plays now is not how I want him to play in the NHL. He is probably one of the lead, one of the leaders on my tracked list of like bombing pa- passes up the ice and missing. Um, I think the last game that I did of him, he finished with like a success rate going offensively of like 25%. And I think he iced the puck four or five times. Um, and in my data sets, you do not want to be icing the puck four or five times in a game. It makes you look really bad. Um, so for Luca Cagnoni, um, I mean, I can see where the points come from. He steps up from the blue line really well. He can pull pucks, you know, laterally really, really well and make space for himself that way. Um, but there's more to the game than that. I think his defensive game is pretty lacking. Um, he's a pretty boomer bust kid. I think like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the second round. Um, but be a good second round pick to make, right? Like you take your bet and and see if it works out you know i i kind of see him maybe in like a kalen addison type vein where he he might get to the nhl as an undersized defenseman and score points and like maybe quarterback a power play like kalen addison has but then when you really sort of pay close attention to the player you're kind of like yeah but like what about defense and that's a bit of a problem for kegnoni but it's not, I mean, you look at him and be five, you might think he's five, nine. So therefore he's just bad defensively, but I wouldn't go that far, but it's just a matter of like using his feet and challenging guys, um, which he doesn't really do that often, but the amount of involvement he has in offensive transitions is huge. But a lot of that is because he's icing the puck so much and just bombing passes up the ice. And maybe that's a team strategy thing. Um, but I've seen him many, many times with pretty clear outlet options and just not even bothering and just firing it up to whoever's the offensive blue line and causing a defensive zone faceoff, which to me sounds like a bad strategy. Uh, do you think Jagger Furcus, David Goyette, Brad Lambert, Luca Del Belbaluz, and Yanni Newman have defensive issues like their plus minus numbers seem to? Well, I'm not talking, I'm not dealing with plus minus, but based on what I've seen of those players, I mean, I'm not really concerned about any of their defensive problems. Like, People sassed Brad Lambert all year last year for his defense, but I found him to be pretty hardworking off the puck and winning a lot of races. Goyette, I find, might lack a little bit of that defensive intensity and ability. Same thing with Jagger Furcus, but Furcus, it's more just because he's weak and small. Not saying that's a bad thing. That's just he's not a physically imposing player. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, but I, I mean, those guys, all of them, I don't really have a tremendous amount of problems and and plus minus is not a very great way to like judge a defensive output of a player especially a forward uh what do you make of sergey murashov's d plus one he's been fantastic um i did run some numbers on uh from instat on his saves and patterns there and it does seem like he's facing a pretty easy workload relative to other high-end goaltending prospects so like a save percentage is kind of expected there i should what i should do is really do an analysis of like well what is a good save percentage in this area of the ice what is a good save percentage on say rebounds um you know all that stuff uh so i'll see what i can do with that but with murashov i mean he's good i've seen him play a couple of times and he's good from what i know about goaltending um but 
Again, he's in the MHL most of the year. The MHL is the MHL. It's very different beyond that level, um, especially when you have a relatively easy workload. Uh, excuse me whilst I deal with a silly notification. Okay. Um, what are Fantilli's skills that project to be above average, and what do you think? He'll, if what, and do you think he'll have any weaknesses in the NHL? I mean, great skater, great skill level, like really just a tremendous forward skater. You know, really good finishing shot as well. I think he's an underrated playmaker, especially along the boards, along the goal line, and everything. Um, I think his weaknesses are, I think he's still trying to find the balance of like what he can get away with. Like in the, in, in the NCAA, I've seen a few games where he can be caught, you know, not really making a good read of the ice, flipping pucks into the neutral zone when he really doesn't have to. Um, but in the last game I saw, he was doing that significantly less. It was by far the best game I've seen him play all year. Um, I would love to see him attack the middle of the ice a little bit more with the puck on his own stick. He kind of tends to stick to the outside, grind play down along the boards, get pucks out in front, blah, 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 blah. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I see the skill level. I see the frame. I see the speed. Um, you know, I, I see the intensity level that he's got. And I just think there's a lot to like about him. Um, there might be some weaknesses, you know, with transition game, getting out of the defensive end and, and not turning pucks over unnecessarily, but he's shown signs that he can get over that. And I feel like with time and practice and, and the right coaching, he will. <clears throat> All right. Uh, is Tanner Ludke going to be something in the NHL? I honestly have not watched Tanner Ludke in a really long time. Is that the draft eligible from this year? Um, I feel like there's multiple Ludkes that I'm uh, mixing up. Yeah, I've I was actually watching Tanner Ludke not too long ago. Now that I see his player profile, I don't know. He's a guy that I wouldn't draft personally. I, I, he kind of reminds me of like these USHL guys every year, where it's like they're okay, but I'm not over the moon about them guys like Quinn Finley last year, for example, uh, just doesn't really get the motor going that much. Um, again, like when I look at my list of 80 guys, almost always there are guys left that I'm excited about at the end of the draft that are in the fifties, sixties. And I, I look at those guys and go, yeah, I don't, I don't think Tanner Ludke going to be above those players. So I just don't see how he can get on my list. Uh, hey Kyle, uh, glad you love the stash because it's not going anywhere. Have you gotten any data from Lambert's short WHL stint so far? Uh, I haven't. I don't. I don't get the time to track guys who have already been drafted. Uh, unfortunately, unless someone pays me to do it, uh, I don't really have the time to do it. Um, but if I, I mean, he's been great since going to Seattle. Uh, you know, he's. Uh, I mean, he should be. It would be very troubling if the guy that I had ranked third overall went to the best CHL team in Canada and stunk it up. Um, but I mean, being up to 23 points in 15 games and, you know, a plus 16 in 15 games, that's not so bad. Um, they also have only lost twice with him in the lineup. Um, so that's not so bad. He went on a heck of a point streak. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight games where he had two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 17 points in uh, nine games. Not bad. Not bad, Brad, for a guy who has no offensive bones in his body. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen a little bit of him with the Seattle Thunderbirds and he's been very, very good. And that's about what I expected because he's very, very good and, and he could do no wrong. My boy can do no wrong. It's great for his confidence and I hope that it helps him, you know, tra translate that back to the, uh, the, the, uh, AHL.
Uh, what do you think about Sasha Blavert? Boy, Blazvert? Boysvert? Uh, I have not seen him play, so I'll put him down on the list, and we'll take a look when I get the chance. Um, thoughts on the Blues over the last past couple of drafts? Anyone you like in the late first of them with their two picks? Uh, also, thoughts on Zach Dean? I like Zach Dean. I think he's going to be a great Blue. He's a fast, physical, skilled guy. Um, maybe not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a rambunctious wrecking ball, and him and Jake Neighbors are a good one-two punch to have. I'm not huge on Zach Paul Duke at all, um, but he's okay, I suppose. I like Simon Robertson. Uh, he's coming along decently well. Um, I, I like him pretty pretty good as a goal scorer. I think it's a different flavor of player that 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 St. Louis got there. Um, and guys that I think for them that might fit their style of play in St. Louis, I'd be curious to see like a David Reinbacher there. Um, I'd be curious to see a Dmitry Simashev there. Um, who else? Callum Ritchie could be an interesting St. Louis blue. Um, Dalibor Dvorsky, if he's there, I don't know if he will. I mean, if they draft him in like the top 10, that might be a little crazy, but if he slips, sure. I could see it working for him there. Daniil Boot would be like an interesting St. Louis blue. If you want like a big agile, but like big shooty boy who has some playmaking ability as well. Um, and you just want to play the long game with a player because I think Boot could be a good example of that. Charlie Strammel could be a really fun St. Louis Blue. Uh, now that I think about it, Charlie Strammel would be a really fun player to have in St. Louis. Um, there's quite a few. Uh, and I feel like St. Louis might go off of my board a little bit with their first pick, which whatever. Um, but you could do some damage if you wanted some some rangy, big, powerful dudes like a Charlie Strammel. Thoughts on Reinbacher. He was Ronnie's first gem of the year. He had him round one before anyone had heard of him. Yeah, I mean, I like I like David Reinbacher. I think I think the hype on him is a little bit out of control, but he's good. Really good shooter. That's where a lot of his points come from. Uh you know, try passes the puck a ton at this level. I saw him carrying it a little bit more at the World Junior, like when you're the guy to do everything, you kind of have to. Um you know, I, I don't know. I see him as a late first round guy, potential middle pair, you know, meat and potatoes defender. He's physical, but loses a lot of board battles right now. So like the stronger he gets, the better he's going to be. Um, it's, and it's not like he's like David Yurichek where he's like an extraordinary, super, uh, super high. Um, you know, he's not this like extraordinary, uh, you know, super high skill defender, like a, like a David Yurichek showed flashes of, I don't really see that out of Reinbacher, but he certainly shoots the puck really well. And that can be more than enough to generate production. But I think his game is going to be more, you know, quarterbacking transitions with his passing, you know, shutting play down defensively. And I think he could be pretty good at that. Uh, evaluate the potential for the players and assets acquired by San Jose in the Meyer trade. Yeah. So, I mean, the San Jose Sharks fans are a little bit you know, downtrodden about it. And I, I get it. Like, I understand why, but you look at what they got, you know, Fabian Zetterland, I think he could be a perfectly capable offense, you know, middle six, maybe third line guy. Um, nothing fancy, but like an NHL player potentially, you know, Nikita Okotiuk. Personally, I am not a fan. I don't, I don't know. I watched a couple after the trade. I knew that I was going to get questions about it. So I started watching some Okotiak and Mukhamadulin tape. I'm not, I'm really still not a fan of Nikita Okotiak, really. Uh, I mean, maybe there's something there in terms of just a physical shutdown guy, but I don't really see it. Shakir Mukhamadulin, 
he's going to play. And at times, I mean, he's still Shakir Mukamadoulin. He's just, I mean, he's a he's a very good skater, good shot from the point. Again, like David Reinbacher, like you can get your points from shooting from the point. But the decision making, the the puck retrievals, the you know, j- like the the stuff that gives you heart attacks, he still is figuring it out. And I mean, look. When I look at the San Jose Sharks over the last season since Mike Greer has taken over, they have really taken a turn to be like the New York Rangers, you know, physical, intense, heavy, you know, shut play down. And I get the feeling that the New Jersey Devils were like, you want Simone Nemich? Take a hike. You want Luke Hughes? Take a hike. You want who name X player that we've drafted really high? Take a hike. Muka Madulin, now, maybe we could move him. And I feel like New Jersey or San, San Jose is looking at this and going, you'll give us Okochik and Shakir Mukamadulin in a trade? Like, look, the way I see it is this. The San, like, the thing about the NHL is everything that everybody says about teams and what players are valued at and the Fresh charts and everything, they don't care. They're going to put the players on the ice that they think fit what they're trying to accomplish as a team. They're just a sporting club employing regular people to just play a game. And so there are multiple ways to play the game, but it really helps to have a cohesive uh, ability uh, from top to bottom of like, this is how we want to play the game. So even if in my view, I look at a a Nikita Hochia can be like on my team, he probably wouldn't have a job. I can't say he shouldn't have a job at all. And the San Jose Sharks, like look at what happened with David Quinn with literally any skilled player the Rangers brought in with him as coach. It just didn't work. So why would you why would you try to put a square peg in a round hole? Go get the physical guys that David Quinn wants and put his job on the line, right? We traded our arguably best player, brought in some guys that really fit where we're trying to be, and if it works, it's going to work. And at the end of the day, if you have a second pair defenseman in Shakir Mukamadoulin, a third pair defenseman in Nikita Ohochik, a third line forward in Fabian Zetterlund, and you get a first round pick, maybe two out of it, and you use those picks pretty well, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. And it could work. I can't say it won't. But I I, I don't know. I, I I would expect that for a Timo Meyer, a guy technically you didn't have to trade, you, you maybe want to keep him. Maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was also some questions that came in to follow up on this. Uh, so I'll, fo- I'll get there. Uh, Simashev has time with two different MHL teams this year. Should I be paying it? Oh, that's not has any, that doesn't have anything to do with the trade. Um, but watch, if you're going to watch his MHL tape, don't watch Loco 76. That team is poopoo. Uh, watch uh, Loco Yaroslavl. They're the better junior team. Um, is Mukamadulin really even that physical though? I mean, he's big. He is, he can be, he's more physical than he was, but yeah, he's still pretty wiry and thin. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't buy it. Uh, I don't buy it, but, you know, again, like, that's I think that's what they're trying to get out of these players. That's my hunch. Um, will Eklund play a couple of games in the NHL this year? I hope so. I don't know. I hope so. He's been quite good in the AHL, so I hope so. Could Quinton Musty be a top-line power forward if the right team drafts and develops him? Sure. I mean, nothing's impossible. Um you know, the game I did a musty, he was pretty quiet most of the game. Um, you know, I think I think the more skills training he does, the better off he'll be. Um, early this year, I felt he was really trying to be a wrecking ball out there, just trying to hit anything that moved and, and really just sort of overplaying his hand a lot. 
now he's sort of settled into things a little bit more, you know, stayed in open ice a little bit better and just, and just worked with the puck a little bit better. Um, it's, it's still not there yet. He's still very much a volume guy playmaker from the boards, just shoveling pucks in front of the net when there's nobody there. And it's just, a, it's just, you know, trying to force things rather than like gaining control of the play and like making things happen. Um, but he's a good physical offensive guy. And I feel like you give him a few years and he'll just get better and better. Um, and he's gotten a lot better this season based on what I remember seeing at the Holinka and early in the year. Uh, thoughts on the Chikrin trade. I mean, the Ottawa Senators just got a pretty good young defenseman that's cost controlled for literally nothing off their roster and nothing that will probably impact them for two or three years at least. Um, so that's a win for me. Uh, and I'm the draft guy. Um, I, I mean, again, like the Arizona coyotes are going to be very interesting to watch over the next few years. Like it is one thing to completely obliterate your team and get a bunch of draft picks, but it's a whole other thing to use your draft picks. Well, and just by chance, again, this happened today. I just happened to find myself watching my Arizona coyotes recap from this past summer. And yeah, like they had a ton of draft picks. I don't think they used them particularly well. So if the Arizona coyotes go out there and botch all three of those draft picks or end up with like an okay player out of those three and two non NHLers, which is entirely possible, then who gives a crap? But if you do your homework, you can do a lot of damage with that, right? Like look at guys like Lane Hudson or Gleb Trikasov being available in the late second round last year. Ty Nelson was a third round pick. Like if you just kind of go, let's just draft the good players that are left and just hope that they work out and just treat them well. That's probably a good bet. And we'll see what happens. Um, with Arizona, it'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, current and former NHL player who you hate the most. Oh my God. Well, uh, I, I have a dislike like I, I, what I, the players I don't like are the ones where as soon as they step on the ice, you can tell they're going out there trying to kill people like that. That to me is the type of player that I don't like, right? Like in the olden days, guys like Yarko Rutu, Steve Ott, uh, Chris Simon, uh, you know, there were a ton of them back in the day when I was a kid, but nowadays, like, you know, like I have a lot of respect for the style of play that Tom Wilson plays, Right. I love the intensity and the physical play and the willingness to just lay the body on guys. Same thing with Jacob Truba. Like I love that those guys still exist, right? They go out there and most of the time for, especially Truba's case, most of the time when they lay guys out, it's clean. It's just beautiful hitting. And I, I like that. But with Tom Wilson, for example, it's like, you're playing at like 108% of like what should be tolerable in terms of physical intensity. And that 8% makes a big difference. You know, like most of the time, whatever, it's fine and he's okay, but you can tell, and especially in the playoffs, you can tell, especially in the playoffs, when he steps on the ice, he's trying to do awful things. And I don't know, like that I have a hard time with, you know, like, but but the tough part with Tom Wilson, especially for me is like, if you just dialed it back a little, if you just dialed it back a little, you could be awesome. (laughs) Right. Like a ton of fun to watch and like, yeah, like great. But it's just, it just makes it a lot harder uh, for me. But in the past, it's a good question. Um, 
I, you know what? I mean, growing up in Toronto as a kid, I really did not like Jason Spezza, like, or or any of those Ottawa Senators guys from the Senators when they were good, right? Like Alfredson, Spezza. When, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people took it maybe a little more personally than my small child brain did when Daniel Alfredson mocked Matt Sundin for throwing his stick into the crowd. He kind of faked throwing his stick in the crowd and, and nobody really liked that. But I mean, I thought that was just good trolling at the time uh, before trolling was a thing. Um, but as a, as a young Leaf fan in a world full of Leaf fans, that was tough. That was a, that was a tough call. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it, it, it would, but, but I mean like in terms of guys where, oh, you know, who really screwed me up was, uh, Jeremy Roenick. Um, he was a guy who, I mean, he, he like, he steps on the ice and sometimes he's just a dag. He was just a dagger against you. You know, he, 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 he was just so good. You know, he just steps on the ice and then Bob's your uncle. He's, he's a thorn in your side and scoring goals. And, you know, he talked a big talk off the ice and, you know, you just kind of were like, God, I just want to beat this guy, but I just can't. Um, so maybe he's on that list as well. Uh, Michael Benning will play in the NHL question mark. I don't know. I don't expect it, but I can't say it's impossible. Uh, do you think Alexis Gendron was a steal? I mean, he was a very good seventh round pick and he's on team scouting. So how about that? Uh, mid first round center for my Detroit Red Wings. Uh, uh, hmm. Mid first round center. I mean, Callum Ritchie, maybe. Maybe we'll say Callum Ritchie. If Dalibor Dvorsky is there, maybe him. I don't know. I like Martin Mishak. He could be fun, but mid first round might be a little high. Uh, could the blues get, could the blues get the BC line? Is it possible? Oh, Boston college Smith top 10. You get Leonard and Perot in the twenties. It's possible. Uh, it's possible. You got to keep all the picks though, but it's possible. I don't know if I never am a fan of drafting a bunch of guys from the same team. Um, but I mean, if you can get Ryan Leonard in the twenties, I think the rest of the league has made a mistake, but it's possible. I need more water. My, my, I'm, I'm losing my voice here already. Uh, okay. Do you think the ducks have the best defensive prospects in the NHL with Zellweger, Minchukov, high Heinz throwing tie Heinz in there is there is fun. Um, I mean, I, I think they're very good. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, this is why I don't really like comparing different NHL systems with each other's because there's a lot of question marks and everything. And I also don't remember off the top of my head what all the other defensemen that other teams have drafted are. Uh, but they're certainly up there for sure. They're certainly up there. If not at the top. Compare Benson and Moore and what a team would be thinking about if they face that choice. So for me... I see Oliver Moore as a more efficient skater. I think I see him as a, a better sort of puck quarterback transition on his own than Benson is. Not that he's bad at it. Um, I think Moore shows better initiative and ability to get inside the middle of the ice. Um, but Benson is a better sort of playmaker, I would say. Like Moore is a guy who I think is still figuring out the balance of his offensive game. Um, whereas Benson just kind of knows he's like more of a perimeter guy, you know, perimeter playmaker, you know, supplementary offensive guy then cuts in and goes for the dagger. But defensively, I mean, defensively, I think they're both relatively similar with the sort of intensity level they bring. I just think with Will Smith and the, or Will Smith with Oliver Moore, you know, the puck skill he brings in transition, just the, the manipulation ability. I think it's just a shade ahead of Benson. Like it's really close for me. 
Um, but I, I think he just brings a style of play where I'm like, you know what? If I put really, if I put Zach Benson on Oliver Moore's wing, it's going to make Zach Benson look really, really good. But if I put Zach Benson on a wing with less, like it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not as sure that Zach Benson can sort of carry play as much as Oliver Moore might be able to. Um, but Benson's a very, very good player to also just have in your, in your, in your hopper. Um, how high will David Reinbacher be drafted? I mean, I don't know. He could go top 10 for all I know. Like teams really seem to like pretty boring, but strong physical defensemen. And he could be one of those. So there you go. Uh, I, I, how high could he be drafted? I don't know. Seven, eight, nine, probably not, but I could see a team doing it. Um, what are your thoughts on Edstrom and Warmald? I'm not huge on Warmald. I haven't watched him in a very long time. So that's a good reminder to watch him. So I'll pull that up. Um, but I like David Edstrom. Uh, I did a game of him this week and he was pretty good. Um, you know, pretty smart more than anything, like not overly physical, not overly skilled, not overly fast, just made the right play a lot and, and, and knew when to put pucks out in front. You know, he wasn't just bashing at pucks, trying to get them through feet. He tried to make space for himself and he had a pretty good high danger chance spinning off a guy off a face off and getting in closer to the net and getting a chance. It was good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Um, I like Edstrom. I haven't seen a lot of Warmald, so so I'll check him out as well. Um, who, what are my thoughts on Vladimir Mikhailov? I've never seen him play, so I will pull him up for future watching. Cool. Uh, who are the players with the best peripherals, like shots on goal, penalty minutes, hits, blocks, Leonard and Strammel? Flip side, anyone to come, come to mind that wouldn't throw a hit if their life depended on it? Um, well, uh, let's take a look here. Let's take a look-see. Let's see who doesn't hit in the data that I have, that I've actually tracked a few games of. Um, so we'll remove these, these, and these. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, hits. So I've started tracking hits this year because people ask. Um, <laughs> Andrew Crystal is down at the bottom. I can see that already. Uh, who else? Braden Yeager, Edward Chalet, Oliver Moore, Andrew Crystal. Lenny Haminaho, which is not what I would expect. Timur Mukhanov, Zach Benson. These are all guys who don't hit very much in the games I've tracked. Callum Ritchie, uh, Matvey Michkov, Jaden Perron. Um, basically all the good ones don't really throw a lot of hits. Um, I'm, I'm half joking. I mean, Ryan Leonard, I mean, on the other side of the equation, what have we got here? Um, yeah, on the other side of the equation, we've got Caden Shahan in the USHL. He's thrown a lot of hits. Ryan Leonard is number two. Martin Mishak is up there. Uh, who else? Um, Cohen Zemer, interestingly. Uh, Adam Fantilli is up there, which love to see it. Ethan Gauthier, uh, Bradley Nadeau. Those are the guys that are kind of way out in front. Um, Ryan Leonard, I would say, is the one that I buy the most as a guy that does that a lot. Um, you mentioned Strammel. He's not too far behind, but in the games I've tracked, uh, the rate of hits for Ryan Leonard is more than double Strammel's. So that... That kind of illustrates it a little bit. Um, but I would love to see Stram will be a lot more physical. Um, what else do we got? What else is going on, folks? Who wins a cup first, Wings, Kings, or Sens? Uh, Detroit. Does Logan Stankoven have more upside than Caulfield or Dabrinkit? Um, that's a hard question to answer, but... I mean, I, I think they're all... I think he's a different small player than those two like he's more of a playmaker i think he's a better defensive player than those two um 
I mean, I I would have a hard time putting him higher than Caulfield. Debrinket, I think, is closer. I think I'd sandwich him in between Caulfield and Debrinket overall, but it's super, super close, and I don't know. I have a hard time not putting Stankoven first, but also Cole Caulfield is just Cole Caulfield, and I love him. Uh, who's your projected top four players for next year's draft? Well, probably right now, Demidov, Iserman, uh, or Iserman, Iserman, uh, and uh, and um, Celebrini, uh, and maybe Sam Dickinson would be in there, maybe. I don't think Malcolm Spence is draft eligible next year, so probably not him. Uh, but those would probably be the first ones that come to mind. Have you had time to watch Jabril Toure and Pedras Boulons? I've seen Boulons. I didn't see much there. I want to say I've seen Jabril Toure, but yeah, he's with Sudbury. It's, Jabril's a guy who I actually should watch because um, he did catch my eye. Uh, I mean, he is a D plus two, um, but he did catch my eye with Sudbury a couple of times when watching Quinton Musty. So I will check him out. I don't know if I would draft a guy who's almost 20 um, and not really scoring a ton in the uh, OHL, like uh, especially not without seeing him a ton. Um, but I did like what I saw of him. Um, it's just a matter of like, again, where do you put him on your list? Like, I, I don't know. Cause his, like the track record for guys like him to work out in the NHL, generally not super great, but um, I'll check him out. But Petrus Boulons, I, I didn't really see a whole lot there with him uh, from what I saw. Can Lane Hudson still become a number one defenseman even though his size, weight, and skating are small or limited and are either small or limited? I don't see why not. I, again, it's been it's been less than a year since he drafted, and he's better in college than I thought he would be in the first year or two of being there. Um, you know, look, if he can play, he can play. If he can hang, he can hang. I think his defensive game still needs work, uh, and I think that that will always be a limitation of his. But if you take a holistic view and go, yeah, but the offense is so overwhelmingly good that I don't care, then yeah, I could see him be a top pair guy, um, top unit power play guy, maybe second pair, even strength defender, something like that. Do you think non-first round picks are really that valuable? Usually they don't get a chance to play in the NHL. So I think second round picks are very valuable because good players always slip through the first round. Um, and a lot of teams draft other players instead of those really good ones, which helps. Um, and that happens every year, right? Like I've seen it in my draft where it's like, okay, here's where I would take Logan Stankoven. And it's like 20th overall. It's like, okay, 25th, I would take Logan Stankoven. 30th, I would take Logan Stankoven. 35th, I would take Logan Stankoven. 40th, I would take Logan Stankoven. 36th, I would take Logan Stankoven. And then he goes 47th and you're like, well, cool. And now he's been, he's been great so far. Um, so to me, I would stock up on first and second round picks as much as I possibly could every year, because not only are they probably very valuable if you play your cards right and focus in the right areas, um, but also if you do want to make these trades, the more you have, they're free capital. So it's easy to move them and other teams want them because they don't cost money. So if you needed to make a move and make an upgrade, the more first and second round picks you have, the more valuable they are. Once you get into the third round and beyond, it gets really sparse really fast. And I get those, those picks I think you can be a little more loosey-goosey with. I'm not super cut up uh, about trading like a fourth and a fifth and a sixth round pick for whatever. You know, like what what uh, what Julian Brisebois said uh, about trading for Tanner Janot, like I get what he's saying, right? Like Tanner Janot, obviously it was an overpayment, but like they don't really care, Tampa. 
And like a fifth, a fourth, and a third round pick for them, I would argue is like negligible value. Like it doesn't matter. Like the first and second round pick, I mean, to me, basically, Tanner Janot was traded for Cal Foot, a first and a second, essentially. And the rest was just all thrown in to get him before someone else did. Is that still a lot to pay for Tanner Janot? Probably. Probably. Um, but uh, you never know. Nashville could botch those picks, and Cal Foot is maybe a fringe NHLer right now. Maybe he's something more, but I don't think he is. So, yeah, like that might that trade might not look so bad when we look look back on it. It could look really good, but it all depends on how Nashville does. Um, and again, just based on me being a one man scouting team, I personally feel a lot less excited about a lot of the guys left over when it's past like the second round, past the second round, I should say, like into the third, fourth. You, I mean, those are fun for different reasons because you get to pick the guys that you just really like and want to believe in and like get really excited about, but still might have a ways to go before they get to the NHL. But in terms of guys where you're like, yeah, I could see this guy playing in the NHL and playing well, those kind of start to dry up by the end of the second round. And so I think, I think those are the picks where I would stock up and try to stock up as much of, um, and then go from there. Uh, follow up on a scale of Paul Coffey to Kale McCarr. How many heart trophies will Lane Hudson win? Uh, Phil Housley. I don't know. Does that work? Can you share your top unranked players compared to the public consensus? Yeah, sure. Uh, so those, there's a few. Um, so the top unranked players that I have, uh, hang on, let me just do this. There's uh so these are guys that have been ranked four uh, of the 11 or four of the 21 lists that I've tracked this year. And this is just their average ranking. So there's um how many of them are there? Uh nine. So yeah, like Ethan Gauthier, again, I just have never seen it with Gauthier, at least as an NHL player playing the way he plays. Um I might be overcorrecting, but I just don't really see much there. Casper Haltonen, I have not enjoyed this year at all. Noah Dower Nilsson, I also just don't think that there's an NHL player there. Um, you know, good finisher, but I still think that there's like in terms of what I'm looking for for a high pick, I just haven't seen it. And his pace is low, and there's a lot that I just don't really like about him. Uh, Jesse Kiskinen, similar to a Noah Dower Nilsson, I just don't really see what the fuss is about with Kiskinen. Um, he puts up really great numbers at even strength and everything. He puts up really great numbers, but every time I've seen him, I'm going, yeah, but uh, the next, like I tracked a game of him in the Liga and he was kind of a guy. Um, so yeah, Matthew Cataford. I don't mind Matthew Cataford. Like he probably is the, one of the best players that I don't have ranked. Um, but I just, I just, again, I've seen him recently and I just, I, I, I saw him recently through the lens of like, am I overcorrecting on him again? He's just one of these players that I just don't think has enough to really move the needle enough for me to put him ahead of the guys that I have ranked. Um, I pulled Andre Molnar off my list this week as much as it hurt me because I've seen him play with Erie and I'm going, okay, like I think he just had a good jump to start the season against against competition in Slovakia and, and just kind of hasn't really adapted or figured it out. Once in a while, you see some really impressive stuff out of him, but it's not nearly enough in the OHL for me to like really put him on my list. Um, which sucks because I have liked Andre Molnar in the past, um, but he just has not really been the same player. Um, Jordan Turini is not on my list. Uh, I just, again, like a puck-moving defenseman who I don't think skates well enough to really make that work, and at 5'9", I just don't really see it. Uh, Emil Yarventi is a guy, again, like a skilled forward undersized that I just don't think has enough to really make a needle move for me in the, in the NHL draft. Tyler Peddle, 
I just have never really seen it with him. Pretty good shooter, but like that's kind of where it ends, and I'm not a huge fan of guys like that. So there's a few of them, um, and and those are the those are the principal ones. Um, as a yeah, okay. Uh, what do you think of David Spacek? Was he the guy scoring a ton of points in Sweden, in Switzerland this year? Yeah, I mean he's been great in Europe. Uh, I've seen a bit of him. Uh, he's putting up unbelievable numbers at even strength in Switzerland. Um. You know, I don't know. He's played well pretty much everywhere except for when he played with the Manitoba Moose where he was kind of a guy. I get the feeling that at some point he'll get another chance in the NHL. I kind of like what I've seen of him. I've only seen him very briefly um, because of the numbers being so good. I checked him out and I was like, okay, this guy's pretty good. Maybe he gets himself an NHL contract at some point. But but yeah, it's interesting because he's been to the NHL system before and it didn't really go well for him. If Mitchkov slips all the way to Vancouver, do you think that they would pass just because of the Russian factor? I hope not. Uh, I hope not. That would be my answer to that. What young players could get a big NHL role next year that hit and block and shoot a lot? Uh, I mean, if you're talking about just in the draft, I mean, Fantilli and Carlson are probably the only ones. If that, maybe just Fantilli? I don't know. Do you think any of Burzins, Guyon, Sahonic, and Milic get drafted this year? I mean, Sahonic I could see because he has a much longer track record of very good results. Burzins and Milich, like I don't know, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't, I don't think so as much. Uh, please give your opinion on how the league scrutinizes LTIR. How the league scrutinizes LTIR used to go above the cap and turns a blind eye to Arizona have 45 percent of the cap on LTIR to make it to the floor. Um, I don't care. I I don't I don't really care. Like. The league made these rules for a reason, and no matter what the league does, teams are going to spend a lot of time trying to weaponize the rules to, like, achieve their goals, right? Like, the fact that Arizona is doing this, if this is what they want to do, fine, right? Like, again, it is one thing to rip your franchise to pieces, to the bare bones. It's a whole other thing to build it up from the ground up. Like... It is within the rules to do this this way, and the rules are this way for a reason, because teams do run into a lot of injury problems. Now, do I think the league should introduce some sort of rule that limits the number of LTIR contracts you can acquire, like how they limit the number of contracts you can retain salary on? Probably, yeah. If you're trading for a player that's on long-term injured reserve six times that probably should not be allowed but also like i don't really i don't really mind uh i don't i mean look it's it is what it it, like the it's what the priorities of the arizona coyotes are um i i think that screw i think that going above the cap with ltir it it deals with being on the good side of things rather than weaponizing LTIR to hit the floor being to make you worse. I get the feeling that if we're in a competitive environment, at the top end of the table is where there should be more scrutiny than what all the quote-unquote loser teams at the bottom are doing to like make ends meet and like make themselves achieve their goals easier. I don't know. Like I have a really hard time getting really cut up about the Arizona Coyotes using the rules as they are. I have a really hard time cutting up the NHL for the rules that they set and having teams take advantage of those rules to the utmost ability that they can. 
I don't know. Like it is what it is, right? It's like the draft lottery. There's always going to be rules. There's always going to be people taking advantage of it. There's always going to be people unhappy with it. You know, it, I don't know. Like it does it make Arizona look a little silly. Sure. But do they, do they care? I would argue absolutely not. I don't think they care at all. Uh, who does Tampa target with their first pick in this upcoming draft? I don't know. Someone big, uh, <laughs> Daniel boot in Tampa Bay would be really fun. That would be a good one. Uh, which team are you going to, which team are you convinced will regret going all in at this trade deadline? Uh, ugh. I mean, the only teams that really have gone all in, I would say are Toronto, Boston, I guess, Vegas, I guess you could put on that list. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really consider New Jersey going all in, um, cause they kept all their really good prospects and haven't made a ton of trades. Um, I mean, my answer by default is Toronto, right? Like if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've got, like, I don't think the Rangers are going to regret getting Patrick Kane and, and, and Vladimir Tarasenko for what was it? They gave up a second round pick, a third, a, 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 a potentially a second round pick for Kane, basically. And for Tarasenko, they gave up, like, Sammy Blay, a potential, like, a, a first-round pick, Sammy Blay, an, a guy prospect, and a fourth-round pick. Like, a first, a second, a fourth, a meh prospect, and Sammy Blay, basically, with other guys mixed in. For Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, if that doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. But for Toronto, like... Toronto's going to be going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Lightning have Andre Vasilevsky in net. That on its own, scary. And they're going all in as well. So one of those teams is going to be heartbroken to say the least. And the Toronto Maple Leafs have traded away two meh prospects or a meh prospect in Mikhail Abramov. A first, second, third. Uh, They traded another first and another second. I just need to filter for teams here. I'm on cap friendly. I just need to filter for teams. Give me a second. So the Toronto Maple Leafs traded away uh, in the last six, two weeks, two weeks. Uh, First, two firsts. No, yes. Two firsts, two thirds, three thirds. Oh my God. Uh, Two firsts, two seconds, three thirds. Uh, A guy, two guys off their roster in Sandine and Engvall. And they've brought in like, two depth defensemen, two depth forwards and a and some imp- an important Ryan O'Reilly and a and a defenseman that's cheap for a couple of years. Uh that to me is tough. That's a lot just to like make things happen. Um and I mean look if Tor- like if Toronto goes to the conference final after spending all of this and loses has it really been worth it, right? Because replenishing the stockpile that they have had with, you know, when when Austin Matthews is 32 years old, who's going to play on the team, right? That's seven years down the road. That 2024 first round pick is going to be 23, 24. That, that's, those are the players that they're going to need on cheap deals when Matthews is making $15 million a year or whatever it's going to be to make it balance out. But they're removing that when Matthews is 25, so if they don't go all the way and do the thing, it just makes it way harder to stay competitive long-term, in my opinion. Just, like, the volume that they've moved out the door is just so crazy. So I think the odds are, to answer your question, is Toronto, because 16 teams go into the playoffs and 15 lose. 
the odds are not in their favor. And they moved a lot to maybe move the needle 5% in their direction. I think that's optimistic. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes, but I don't know what other team I can say. Because Tampa Bay at least has the Stanley Cups to fall back on, right? And so does Boston. Uh... Have you seen any of Isaac Howard this year? Not a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. Um, I feel like Pierre-Olivier Waugh is pretty underrated. How do you classify him? I don't know who that is. Uh, I do not know who that is. Um, just a QMJHL question factory here. I don't know who that is, so I will check him out. Rings a bell, but I don't know who this is, so I'll check him out. Um... Boop, 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 boop. Oh, so Mitchkov did play with Capitan Stupino. Yeah, I don't know why they sent him back to the MHL. I, I don't understand, but great. He should be scoring. Uh, how do you feel about Aaron Manidian? Fun, skilled, good skating defender. Really daring in the offensive zone. Um, I like him. Mid-round pick, sure. Go nuts. Uh, what's up with William Willinder? He's awesome. Uh, Willinder has always been a really interesting offensive defenseman and he's finally sort of coming into his own, which is really nice to see. I'm glad I had him ranked at, I think 20 or 21 that year. He's pretty fun. How does Luno compare to Justin Barron? Uh, not, I mean, they're very different. Justin Barron, I think is a better skater, much more aggressive offensive transition guy himself, just driving possession with his feet. Um, Luno, I think is a bit more balanced in terms of offense and defense sort of sits back a little bit more. Um, I think he's a better defensive player than Justin Barron is, um, for sure, especially in front of the net and everything. I remember that being a problem with Barron. I don't know if that's still a problem, but when I have seen him, that has been an issue. What do you think of the Canucks trading away a first-round pick? What kind of player could they have gotten in the middle of the first round this year? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, look, I think Philip Peronic is a pretty good pickup, but they're the, the, the Vancouver – I mean, again – it's like the San Jose Shark getting Mukamadoulin and Okotiek, right? Like, the team's priorities are not in line with what the public thinks they should be. And I'm sorry, but too bad. This is how it's going to be. The Vancouver Canucks do not believe that they need a rebuild. I don't know why at the same time there's all these rumors about trading JT Miller and trading Brock Besser if they feel like they don't need a rebuild. Unless those guys are going out the door and they're bringing in, like, younger players or a, a you know jt miller swapped for a defenseman like in a in a hockey trade quote unquote uh but i mean i i don't know i look at the vancouver canucks i still think i mean i think their team is a long ways away from you know being a, a contender um i mean i think philip Peronic makes a difference in the right direction um but i mean i think they have to you know poop or get off the potty right like they, they got to make something happen one way or the other because the moves they've been making, it seems very much like floundering, uh, you know, you know, floundering a little bit all over the place. Um, not really figuring out exactly what they want to do and extending guys and then wanting to trade them and then blah, 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 blah. Like, it just seems very chaotic and strange. Um, who could they have drafted in the first round? I mean, there's going to, they would have been good players available at that pick. Like in the middle of the first round. Yeah, there would have been interesting players they could have picked up. Like Gavin Brindley in Vancouver would have been a ton of fun. Um, you know, if Vancouver landed a guy like an Andrew Crystal or Will Smith or Oliver Moore and paired him with a Gavin Brindley or, uh, you know, I don't know, wh whoever. Like there's going to, there would be pretty interesting options. I do think that in that range of the draft, you would easily be able to just make a bet and it just doesn't work out as much as someone like Philip Peronic could work out in Vancouver. 
Um, like he just has the track record, but again, like the problem isn't that Philip Peronic is good. Like that's not the, the question that I have. The, the question is like, well, what are you right? The Vancouver Canucks haven't been good for a long time. And usually when you haven't been good for a long time, you have to just accumulate picks and just keep building for the future. And they seem to be doing both at the same time. And that never really seems to work out in my experience. So we'll see. Uh, do, do, do. Thoughts on Zach Bolduke? I've never been a huge fan. He's fine. I wouldn't have drafted him as high as he went. I don't know. Uh, skilled, pretty quick, physical guy at times, but I don't have huge expectations. Uh, any players like Struble this year? A guy drafted earlier mostly for their physical attributes with a very raw toolkit. I mean, we'll see at the draft. Um, Tim Wallander or Tim Tim Will Tim. Oh my God. Tim Willander, Tim Willander could be one of those. Uh, Noel Nord could be another one of those. Um, Jaden Lipinski, maybe, but he's not as good a skater as Struble was. Hoyt Stanley might be a guy that moves up quite a bit because he's big and can skate. Um, those are the ones that come to mind right away. If Oliver Moore and Will Smith were both there, uh, wait, both there for what? The, the thing refreshed uh both there for the canucks what should they take to meet their to meet their future center needs probably oliver moore i think will smith projects more as a center uh i know you love your leafs i am neutral i am a neutral observer of this i've been sassing the leafs the entire the entire stream um for team scout should be great to see you picking all rounds i can't look i can't diverge from the plan right the point of the exercise is to say this is a team where I would draft for them. I can't just change gears just to draft in every round. I just can't do that because that's unfair. And I would look awesome, but it's not real. It's not a, it's not the whole point is to be like, here's how I would have done it. And when you look back, you go, wow, that really was a mistake. So maybe what can I improve on? That was a mistake. Other teams drafted this guy. He worked out. What's the commonality between that player and everything else, right? That's the whole point of the exercise. The whole point of the exercise isn't to like just have a bunch of guys, right? It's it's for my own purposes that I present to the public. Um, what would you think of the NHL lottery to randomize 1 through 32 for where teams <laughs> – I don't know, man. Uh, I, 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 I'm trying to keep it realistic. That's all. Um, but you didn't really ask specifically about the NHL draft lottery, but I think every pick from that isn't in the playoffs, I think every pick should be lotteryized. Everyone, if you have the best record that missed the playoffs, you should have a chance to get first overall, which you do, but you should also have a chance to get fifth overall. Pick a lottery ball for first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eight, nine, nine, do it. Just do it. I do it in the scouting fantasy league that we do through the discord server. It's so much fun. Like the guy who finished last last year picked 10th overall and I could hear the tears through my computer monitor. It was awesome. Uh, how come every list I've seen Dvorsky is a top 10? I think it's because of inertia. People had really high expectations for him being a high scoring guy in junior last year. And he's really kind of, in my opinion, struggled to produce against men, but people just don't generally make gigantic moves with guys that have historically been rated very highly most of the time. Me, I don't really care. I don't really care about that stuff. I just go, what are they showing me? You know, what do I see? What do I like? Where could this thing go? And if Dvorsky's a late first round pick, you know, I could see him being a middle six center in the NHL, second, maybe third line guy who can chip in defensively, move pucks up the ice, you know, through his passing, all kinds of stuff. Um, but still not as much a top 10 guy as I would like. Over the course of season, you've been raising Mitchkov on your ranking. Do you think he has a chance of overtaking Fantilli? We kind of answered that earlier. The short answer of that is probably not. 
Um, probably not. What's the lowest in Europe, lowest level in Europe that NHL scouts attend? I mean, I know that NHL scouts went to see Liam Kirk play in the British Pro League. Um, I mean, scouts that go to the Russian Junior League, God bless them that they go there. Uh, I mean, it depends. I mean, the... That usually happens when teams send a scout to some random player. So, like, if you're, say, in, in Sweden, they send you to Norway to watch guys in Norway. Like, that's not really a low level of hockey, but it's not high. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys from weird random places that have been drafted. Like, Liam Kirk is the one that comes to mind right away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the lowest level that NHL scouts scout might be, like, Minnesota High School. I don't know that you see a lot or like the North American hockey league or something. But in Europe, I mean, I mean, I've seen guys get drafted out of the second division Swedish junior league, which is bad, but it happens. Um, given Perron's relatively light production, low production and short height, what do you think separates him as a prospect worthy of being taken in the high first? He's just like an elite puck distributor. Like he just, his skill level and confidence is so high and his ability to distribute pucks in the offensive zone, make plays, chase guys down, get the puck back, make another play, chase guys down, get the puck, make another play, is enormous. Um, I think with him, the skating needs work. Um, and I think he needs to recognize pressure a little bit better and work off of line mates a little bit better than he does. But if he does that, he's going to be tremendous. And I'm not really worried about his production whatsoever. Um, I, I think he's, you know, like he sets up so many plays and sets up so many shots for his teammates that I don't really have a problem with it. It's, I mean, I think it's more about the finishing ability of the guys that he plays with because he sets them up so well. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I think I, I, I think that there's a lot to like about Perron and a guy, you know, like if bounces go his way a little bit more, maybe he's a 60 point guy this year. And that doesn't look so bad, but also, I mean, I'm stretching the truth a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I, I see him and I, I get where you're coming from. Um, but I just look at him and go, yeah, but the, there's so many things that he does so, so well with the puck on his stick and, and other things that you can just work on with him that I think there's a lot of potential for him. Uh, da, da, da. do you have Roman cancer off ranked? No, I should do another game of him. It's been a while since I've seen him. Um, I'll put him on the list to do another game of, cause it's been a while. Um, Roman Kantsarov. But I, I don't know. I haven't really ever been super taken with, with Kantsarov, to be honest. Uh, how's our boy Idar been doing down the stretch? I mean, he's still Idar Suniev, right? He's bigger and stronger than most BCHL guys. Um, the skating is still a problem, but he's still Idar Suniev, you know? Uh, I think he's been quieter in terms of, like, not as flashy, but he still ends up with crazy, crazy numbers. Um, uh, crazy, crazy numbers for him. Um... In, in the BCHL that I've tracked, like it's just insane. He he beats Bradley Nadeau in a lot of the categories. Um, but a lot of that is just him being bigger and making good slip passes through traffic and being a really good puck distributor for sure uh, relative to Nadeau. Um, if the Calgary Flames decide to sell at the deadline, which prospect from the 2022 draft do you think they should get in a trade? I mean, uh, Quinton Musty might be a good flame. Um, Reinbacher could be a good flame. Callum Ritchie could be a good Calgary Flame. I like him. Like, if you like a Michael Backlund style player, maybe he could be similar to that. Something, I don't know, guys like that. Uh, 
what pushed Mitchkov over Carlson? If you, oh, I kind of mentioned it earlier in the show, but um, it just really comes down to Mitchkov's puck distribution now, just the way he passes pucks now relative to what I was seeing earlier in the year. His pace is way higher. He's back-checking and, and actually being a bit of a menace in his own end, um, which is good to see. At least he's doing it a lot more. Um, and uh, definitely playing a lot more as just a hockey player as part of a unit rather than like, I'm a really good young player and I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, and Carlson, I think he just... He's the he's more of a long term bet in my view to like really hit his ceiling and I think you know to me it's like the difference between would you rather have in their career peak would you rather have like Anze Kopitar or Vladimir Tarasenko it's like well one can score forty goals for sure the other scores eighty points and like really good numbers really good analytics or whatever but the other guy scores forty goals and has like you know eighty eighty ninety points himself but has that sort of defensive issue uh, that might plague a guy like 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 uh like Tarasenko but when I look at Mitchkov I, I see a really really talented player already and I think Carlson with the size that he has and the resilience that he has a really good NHL player but in terms of producing I think it might be a little bit of time before he really gets there but you do see flashes of Carlson whereas with Mitchkov there's a lot more sort of consistent offensive output that that Carlson kind of lacks do you think Montreal targets Dubois since he's apparently dying to go there? How do you think they fit him in at center considering they have Suzuki and Doc? I don't know. I, I really, if I'm Montreal and you want Pierre-Luc Dubois and he really wants to go there, you do your homework uh, and make sure that he's going to, you know, because he didn't really leave Winnipeg on the best of terms or Columbus was, I can't remember. They both wear similar colored jerseys. The last team he was on did not leave on very good terms and in ways that became very public, which is not always a good look for the player or the team in question. Um... I don't know how they fit him in at center with Suzuki and doc. You have three really good centers, right? Like you fit them in, right? The Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, ran Matthews, Tavares, Nazem Kadri. So yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I personally have a really hard time with like, how do how do you fit this guy in? Because he's too good. It's like, well, you, you play him, you just play him and have a really good third line center and whichever one it is, you, you just, what he's, whatever he is, it gives him an easier matchup. So you might get really good production out of him. So sure. If it's a good fit and you think he's going to keep his head on straight playing for the Habs. Sure. Uh, if you were an NHL coach and got to pick five to seven defensemen, any in the world, who would it be? Oh my God. That, oh geez. Uh, uh, I mean, McCarr's right away coming to mind. McCarr, Hedman. Oof. I don't know. I, I don't know. I also, it's also two hours into the stream. So my brain just like cannot interpret all those things. Um, why is Byfield so bad and Strutzel so good? Let's, let's cool it. Let's give, let's give Quentin Byfield some time. He's been hurt a lot and uh gotten i think he's gotten a lot better as the season's gone on but stutzla has indeed been a better nhl player yes i don't know did you see the premiere of survivor yesterday uh no i'll be watching it tomorrow night uh we've been busy at home the last couple of nights um and unfortunately have not had the time to sit down and watch it what do you think about colton doc as a hawks fan it seemed like he was a heartwarming pick but on one based on skill what's his deal yeah i mean he maybe is like a bottom end nhl player bottom six guy i don't i don't see a ton there for colton doc honestly whenever i've seen him do you have any optimism for Sebastian Cosa owners? Sure. I mean, he's like 20 years old. Like, he'll take time, but he's not a bad goalie. But frickin' uh, Jesper Wallstead, he's doing pretty well. No no comment beyond that. 
Uh, is Philip Mishar still a first-round prospect considering how much his OHL team, how bad his OHL team is? Would you put him in the AHL next year and not go to a bad OHL team? I probably would move him to the AHL next year and see how it goes. You can always move him back to the OHL if you want. Um, I've liked him with Kitchener when I've seen him play for them. I mean, I've watched him when I've seen Hunter Brustevitz, and he's been good. Um, I wouldn't be too down on Philip Mishar. It's his first season in North American hockey as well, which can also be a bit of an adjustment, but yeah, he's fun. I keep seeing Dvorsky and Shali in top 10s as a Habs fan, and our pick might be now, might be there. Like, how bad of a pick would that be? I wouldn't pick Dvorsky top 10. Shale top 10, like, I get it. I think he's really slowed down over the course of the year. They've cut his ice time. He's been really underwhelming since the World Junior I've seen. It's really tricky with him. I think that if you can improve the skill level and increase the pace of his game a little bit, his brain is still great for the game. Like his, his ability to see the ice and like, he's one of these guys that you don't really notice. And then he finishes the game with like two dangerous shot assists and like a couple of really good pass attempts through the slot and everything. But also a lot where you're like, yeah, but you're not doing much else, but you're not bad. Right. It's really weird watching Edward Chalet, but I think there's upside. It's just, it might take a while to get there. Dvorsky top 10, I think, I think he'll be a player, but I think you'll look at him in 10 years and go, yeah, but we could have had XYZ and bleh. But he'll be a solid player, I think. Um, especially if he sort of works on his foot speed and can sort of keep up with NHL pace a little better because that's, I think, a big thing that holds him back right now. Um, any thoughts on Linus Lindgren? Yeah, I was watching him not too long ago. He's he's fine. I wouldn't draft him, but he's fine. Uh, what are your thoughts on Vancouver's most recent young pickups? Uh, I like Aturatu for sure. He's a fun one. Um, I'm going to have to go back and look at their transactions. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Because I don't remember everyone who's been traded all the time. Philip Peronic is a pretty good pickup. Um, depends on what Detroit does with that draft pick. But, you know, he's a pretty good pickup. Uh, I kind of like Josh Bloom too, but I don't really see an NHL player there. The Tally Kravtsov, again, like, he'll play in the NHL, but I don't think he's going to be a huge needle mover unless you just plop him on your top six with some really, really good players who can pass him the puck and he finishes. But you don't always want to just bet on that, and I don't think that really helps you. I like Anthony Beauvillier as well. I don't know if he counts as young, but, yeah, him and, I mean, Ratu is pretty good as well. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I like some of the things of what they've done, um, but it's not all, you know, happy sunshine and rainbows, I don't think, for Vancouver. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jordan Dumais? Still exactly the same as they always have been. Yes, he's scoring a lot of points, but I really struggle to see an NHL scorer there. And if he's not scoring in the NHL, he's not going to have a job. Um, I just really struggle. Uh, is Cider the most overrated young defenseman, especially from an offensive standpoint in the NHL? Interesting thought. Uh, would you personally be shocked if Edvinson scored more? I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Edvinson scored more points in the NHL. I mean, it would be, I mean, I really like Simon Edvinson, especially with his offensive tools. I have, I mean, I watched quite a bit of more at Cider last year, and I was a little bit perplexed as to how he generated such great results, but he's good. Like, he's very, very good. He's a monster defensively. Um, but in terms of the skill level and, like, how he produces his production, like, I mean, I don't know. But also, he's been pasted to Ben Chirot a lot this season, and that really set him back because Ben Chirot sets everybody back when he plays with them, apparently, at this level. Um, I don't know about the most overrated young defenseman, but I do think that the hype on Moritz Sider is really insane and uh, really crazy. But he is a very, very talented young player. 
Uh, boy, I got to race through these questions. I'm sorry, but we're running out of time here. Uh, Canada dominated the goaltending goaltender field era of 2010 to the 20, 2000 to the 2010s. Debatable. Uh, now Russians seem to be the best at their job. How come the Americans haven't pumped elite goaltenders by the bunch for so long? I mean, there's been a few. Um, and at the junior level, they had some great goaltenders. And then those goaltenders went to other places and they sucked. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Like Trey Augustine is good. Thatcher Demko has been good. Um, Connor Hellebuck is a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think what you're basically saying in more than anything is is like Canadians have really struggled to produce goaltenders, and that's absolutely true. Like, I don't know. Also, like, there just aren't that many goaltending jobs in the NHL that really come up. So it kind of selects for the guys that are already there, and it's just very hard to get a goaltending job anyway. And it's so noisy that like guys come and go all the time. Like just in general, like what are the num? How many elite goaltenders are there right now? Probably on one hand you can count them, right? You just put them out there, and you know you're going to get a really good performance most nights in the NHL. It's pretty rare, you know. Like year over year success is very hard to come by. So it might just be random chance that these players are coming from other places. Um. And yeah, people are mentioning Spencer Knight. Like, he's another one that came along and was drafted very high. And, you know, Jack Campbell was a top 10 draft pick. Um, and he I remember him when he was a junior player. He was a menace. He stopped everything that moved. Uh, and, and it was a real pain when he was with the U.S. team. Uh, but, yeah. Thoughts on Matvey Petrov? Really good shooter. Pretty decent skater, but, like, a really good shooter. That's about it. Um... Who's the Maverick Lamaru of the draft? Mateo Mann, probably. And Mateo Mann, I would say, is worse. Uh, thoughts on Stansel and Kashtanov? I really like Kashtanov. He's fun to watch. Really tall and really lanky, but skilled and fun to watch. He's on my watch list now. Stansel, I see a bit more of a physical player, more than just a puck-controlling possession guy. Um, you know, I, I, think he's, I think he's got some nice traits, but he's more of like a mid-to-late-round pick for me. Um... Oh, I'm thinking of a different spot check. Okay, well, I mean, he had a good World Junior. That's all I really know about him. Um, there's a lot. Geez, there's a lot of Quebec questions. It's really I don't, know, I don't watch a lot of the Quebec league because I don't think it's a great league. Uh, I don't know if he's been brought up yet. But thoughts on Henry Thrun? How excited should I get before he signs with the Rangers? Slow down. Like he's fine. He's an okay defender. I I think he, he's got a lot of skill. He's a skilled guy. He knows how to deceive in transition. He can fire pucks around the ice pretty well. Um, but I don't know. He plays in a pretty soft conference in the NCAA, not super productive. I think he could be a decent defense first guy that can break pucks out pretty well, but I'm not jumping the gun here. I don't think he's like this massive pickup that won't cost you much. I think he could be a player, but I would expect more likely he's in the AHL next year. You see how it goes and you go from there. Uh, you probably have talked about it somewhere, but I haven't seen your thoughts on the shark side of the Meyer trade. Yeah, I kind of went over it a little earlier, and I'm sorry it's the end of the show. I got to race through these. How has Brad Lambert looked to you in the WHL? Very, very good. Uh, if you were an NHL director, scouting director, which league is your go-to league? That does not exist. It, I just go where the good players are. Uh, Ryan Leonard, what's his potential? 30 to 40 or 50 goals? Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe 30, I would say. Again, like the number of guys that score 40 goals in the NHL is very rare, and I don't know if Ryan Leonard is quite there yet. Um, but 30, I think, is possible. Uh, Matt Nye's thoughts. Really good power forward. I could see him being a good middle six winger for Toronto. Um, physical guy, good skill, pretty intense, knows how to finish. 
Um, but Logan Cooley playing with him is awesome. How much stock would you put on the combine if you're a GM or head scout? Not much, but it is a really good opportunity to interview the players, and I think that matters. You say Dvorsky dropped for you due to not producing much against men, but stayed high on Lambert despite the same struggles. What separates the two for you? So this is why I track data. Dalibor Dvorsky is on a team that drives a lot of results on their own, but he is not participating that much in that offense, and he's not driving a whole lot of the offense himself, and he's not he, – he really struggles – to keep up with the pace of the flow of the play at that level. Brad Lambert played at a higher level. Uh, he, I thought, showed tremendous pace in his game naturally. Um, he was, you know, I th- he played on a team that got shelled every single night. And whenever he touched the puck, good things happened. But he just didn't touch the puck very often because his team was bad. Like, he got moved to the wing when he moved to the Pelicans. And I just don't think that that's where he belongs. I think to me, he's a guy that needs ice to play with. He needs space to play with. He needs to have the puck on his stick to drive results. Like with him in Yveskala, for example, before he got traded or got transferred, he drove possession up the ice with control and completed so many of his passes so often that it was impossible to deny that there was something else there. His team would take five shot attempts in a game. He'd set up three of them and take one, right? Like it was that kind of thing with Dalibor Dvorsky. He's just like, he's a good defensive player struggles to keep up with the pace of the flow of the game. And the reason he's not producing isn't because the guys around him can't really produce, but it's because like, for example, in the offensive zone, he can't penetrate the inside of the middle of the ice. He's not skilled enough. He's not fast enough and he's not strong enough. Like you can do it with one or two of those things, but you can't do it with none. And I just don't think he has that right now yet. And he's got a long way to go. If he wants to use his feet to do it, his hands to do it. If he's physical, maybe, maybe a little bit, but I I feel like it's a bit of a ways away. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's just about how they generate underwhelming results is really the, the difference maker. And I think in the track data I have with Lambert relative to Dvorsky, I think there are some things you can poke around with that make Lambert look a lot better than, than Dvorsky does. Uh, thoughts on Yuri Kulich. He's awesome. Ton of fun, high flying, big shooty boy, um, cannon from the, from the faceoff circle, uh, on the power play. I thought he's been really good with Rochester this year when I've seen them very briefly this year. He's, he's a ton of fun. Um, what has made Benson fall down your rankings? I mean, he's at seven. Let's, let's be honest. That's not that low. Um, but honestly with Benson, I see an undersized guy who struggles to get inside to the middle of the ice a lot. Um, really depends on the perimeter playmaking. He has perimeter shooting and follow-ups from teammates and everything really good shooter and a really good skater, really good motor at both ends. I just see the guys ahead of him as bringing more projectable tools, right? Will Smith may not have the defensive game that Zach Benson has, but the offensive game for him is just insane. Um, Oliver Moore, great transition player up the middle of the ice, you know, uses space really, really well um, and creates for line mates really well and try and tries to get to the middle. Uh, whereas Benson kind of struggles a little bit to, to do that as much. Carlson, Mitchkoff, Fantilli, Bedard, they're just, they're just, I think they're just better, uh, better projects. But I mean, if you get Benson at, at seven, eight, nine, ten range, I think you've done really well. Uh, I saw you drop Brindley one spot. How dare I know I was terrible. I mean, his, the game wasn't, he wasn't very good in that game. Honestly, he had some moments, but not great. Um, 
what do we got here? Okay, I'm going to call it a night. I think that's it for the questions. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, again, uh, if you want to support the uh, show, you can subscribe on Patreon or join the uh, YouTube membership program. If you do join the YouTube membership program, please be sure to email me at scouching at gmail because uh, I don't get a notification when people sign up and I don't have contact information to give you an account at scouchingits.ca. Uh, McKean's Hockey, thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, Blue Line Hockey IQ program, thank you, Marcus, for supporting the program as well. You can get 10% off with the coupon code SCOUCHING. Or you can uh, click the QR code above my head or in the description code uh, or in the description box, you can click the affiliate code. And, and anything you buy uh, using that link, I'll get a little kickback that helps support the show. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, we'll be doing this all over again. Hopefully another long list of players that I've taken a look at. And hopefully, hopefully, before too long, uh, we'll have some some kind of scouting report that I can show you guys. So thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you around. All right, toodles.